Welcome into another episode of Scurry and the Scrub. It is I, Jordan Scurry, the Scurry and the Scurry of the Scrub. We're here today with a very special guest. Uh, I don't even know if I can even intro this. I'll try to keep it short and sweet, but we're here with the original 12, my big bro, you know, the man, the myth, the legend, host of the Welcome to the J. Is that it? Welcome to the J on the Field of 68 Media Network. My man, Jahan's the original 12. Man, I got, man, good to have you on. Appreciate you being here. We caught him at a good time. He ain't overseas right now. He's actually in the O. So we had to get you on, man. Appreciate you for hopping on. Bro, I'm so happy to be on. Like, I've done Matt's gig. You came on mine. Matt's came on mine as well. And I kept telling you guys, like, I need to be on Scary in the Scrub. This is one of my favorite yeah. podcasts, Creighton-centric podcasts to listen to. So, I'm finally in the building, man. It feels good. Appreciate you. Well, we had to get you on here. We need a big 12 energy, I think, for a lot of reasons. But, I mean, we took a little break, Matt and I did. And so this is going to be the energy episode that gets us back on track. So we needed you to come in here, bring that big 12 energy, and, you know, just rap to us about life. So how, like, how are you doing, genuinely? Just, like, overall, talk to the people. I'll be honest, man. I'm blessed. I'm doing good. Uh, in my eighth year as a pro, uh, honestly, never thought I would make it this far, but I'm still here. I'm still kicking. I'm still screaming. So things are going good. Uh, I'm over in Poland this year. Uh, you mentioned it in the open. I'm back in Omaha for this week. Got a little bit of a midseason break and then going to go back to what I hope is not a war zone back there. Uh, so we'll yeah. see how all that goes. But uh, aside from all that, man, I'm, I'm just I'm happy to still be hooping, to still have health. Um, I've been blessed in so many different ways. So life is good. Yeah, man. And with all that craziness you said you're going on, it is good. You're back in Omaha. Omaha is, it's always, that's, that's a home for us, right? Like it always yeah. is like always able to go back there. So just again, appreciate you for hopping on and excited to get this one going, man. Let's get it. Let's get after it. Hair looks good, by the way. Did you get, obviously you had to, had to go get well, hair while you were in the O. I, so here's the thing. When you're back overseas, you kind of learn how to do, like I learned how to cook over the eight years. I recently learned how to cut my own hair. <laughs> but when I knew that I had wow. a chance to get back to Omaha in like mid-February or whatever, I was just like, yeah, let me grow this thing out, you know? So I grew out the beard. I grew up the size and all that stuff. Make sure my barber got me right. No mistakes or nothing. So as soon <laughs> no, as I landed, that was like one of the priorities. <laughs> you got you got that John Morant look going on right now. Is, is, that, the, is that that 12 energy? Is that he copied Yo, you or what, who, uh, who went first? I'll be honest. JM12. Everyone knows that's me first. So hey, I'll take it. Hey, I like that. I like that. You got it. Now we got it on documentation. It's here. He, now he it's took here. it to a whole other level. That's a fact. But who nah, started but you're the original. JM12? JM12. I like it. But I love it. I'll be honest. Like, I, I was always teased in the locker room for having what they called the generic 2K face. You know, when you create a player, everyone's <laughs> like, so they said I look like Langston Galloway. I look like Donovan mm. Mitchell. I look like Malik Monk. And now that my hair is like this, I look like John Moran. So it's just like, it's never going to stop. I'm just going to end up looking like everyone. So it's all good. You're the, at least, you look, you're like, at least the, you look like a Hooper, though. You're the 2K, <laughs> you're the 2K template. And you see, I got VCs and went crazy. You see? <laughs> <laughs> he got the hair. He got the task, man. You, you are my creative player. I think you are my creative Damn. player. That's crazy. Hey, I'll rock with it for sure. I'll represent anywhere I can. You know that. That personality is a 99, though. There's, it's untouchable. It's too bad the personality doesn't really affect gameplay. Hey. <laughs> but we never forget him, though, right? Like that is true. That is legend, true. A legend for man. Me. I'm so excited to be on with you guys right now. Like, I'm man, I know, I know. Time. I'm sorry for the. I'm sorry for the people listening, but we we just are very excited to get on here together. Mm -hmm. This has been long overdue, so 
Yeah, man. Just get it cracking. Let's get um, into it, boys. Yeah, you know what we got to talk right. about. Uh, yeah. Yeah, I mean, the Jays got a win last night, a little bittersweet one. Um, mm-hmm. Honestly, it was like, I don't know how you guys felt, but the last uh, – this is going to sound really weird and arrogant, but like the last – what, he got hurt with 13 minutes left, right? So mm-hmm. net Ryan Emhart breaks his wrist with like 13 minutes left or – I think they were down one at that point, and I just felt like the rest of the game didn't even matter. But in the same sense, I also thought Creighton was going to win. Like, I was supremely confident. I just thought the way the game was going, Trey was on, Hawk was on, Kalkbender really wasn't – they really didn't have an answer for him the whole game, honestly. And uh, Champagny was off, and then they made some weird decisions with their rotations. They took the guys that were hot in the first half and didn't play them down the stretch. I don't know. It was weird because I was like kind of like just feeling bad for R2. And but at the same time, I was like, I feel like Creighton's playing really well right now. And I think they're gonna take this one home. It felt a lot like Jordan, like when Maurice went down in Cincinnati. Like I felt like you guys were gonna win that one the whole time too, regardless of the injury. So I don't know how you guys felt, but that's the that was my takeaway from the injury on. I don't know what you guys were. Yeah, no, I definitely had that same feel of the Maurice game at Xavier in the sense that it was like, like you were saying, where it part of you thinks like what, like this game doesn't matter, but part of you wants to just go out there and win it for your fallen bro, right? Like you want to go out there and compete just because, you know, like if that kind of happens, you got to let that just fuel you. And so like th- for them to be able to, especially being such a young team, for them to be able to like realize that was what the moment was and kind of capitalize on it and play even harder, play inspired. I know Max said a lot about the game that he was just inspired by being in those huddles. Honestly, it was, that's just like, that's the beauty of it. And that's where I thought after like, these guys are connected, man. They, they seem to have genuinely cared for each other. And like, you don't win a game like that if you don't actually have a band of brothers. So Jay, I was interested in what you thought of the game, like, especially after Nimhar went down, like what was your biggest takeaway? You guys are talking about flashbacks about when WAP went down. Uh, it happened twice my senior year, once with Grant, Grant Gibbs at DePaul and then Isaiah in Cincinnati, too. Mm-hmm. Is there something about Cincinnati that yes. happens to I us? told, I swear to God, yes, yes. There's but, bodies buried underneath the court, man. Yes. Man, there's souls flying out of that court for sure. <laughs> but uh, you want to talk a little bit about Coach Mack's experience? Yeah, for sure. I'm sure he felt inspired by the guys who were in that huddle. But, like, we just brought up three examples of situations that he's been in the past where he's had to coach his team up after an important guy, a guy that's beloved in the locker room and all that goes down. So uh, you, that speaks a little bit to Coach Mack's experience of being in those moments. But also, like you guys said, like a young team realizing like, man, homie just went down. That's our guy. That's our brother. We can't lose this game. Like it'll be worse for him to go down and we lose this game. So they were able to rally together. So I've said it every week on my own podcast. I've heard you guys say it too. I've been so impressed with Trey Alexander. Like I can't, speak glowingly enough about this kid like from what i saw him do in the first couple of games to where he's at now uh the growth has been like unbelievable and he took a lot on his shoulders especially being the primary ball handler in the middle of the game uh, middle of the second half i should say Mm -hmm. and essentially carrying the team home in a sense hawkins obviously did his thing cock was big time um but none of that happens without you know trey being ready for the moment and accepting the challenge Four turnovers in the first half, none in the second half speaks volumes to where his head is at and, you know, the potential growth that he probably still has in his game. Yeah, it's weird because uh, I just don't know how you guys do it as players because, I don't know, I I would think back to, like, 
and this is this i'll give you the scrub perspective right here if we're playing like pickup in like at the y or at like you know uh whatever gym we're at you know what i mean if someone gets hurt like that that's a wrap you know what i mean like yeah you call game there's, there's too much bad juju in the gym like you don't play through that you know what i'm saying and i've even seen right I don't even see like Jordan. You remember when Epperson got hurt in practice? Like you guys did not keep rolling after that. Like that was it. That was the day was done. So I don't know how. And Jahen's mentioned it, especially the youth aspect of it, like the youth perspective. How you carry on when someone who you care so much about just went through like a pretty. And the the, the worst part of it was like it was a bad injury. And he wasn't trying to like be tough about it. Like he was really in pain. Like you could see it on his face. Like he was really worried, scared, sad, put all those bad emotions out there, you know? And when you see that on your teammate's face and you know, he's just going through something you see him like walking off in the locker room with just like pain and dread and sadness on his face, how you emotionally put that into a certain spot where it doesn't affect you performance wise is unreal to me. Like, I just don't know how you guys do that. Yeah, I thought about that one a lot, too, especially yesterday. And I, even in when it happened at Xavier to Maurice, I thought about it a lot during the game. And it, I think the best way to sum it up from my perspective is just that when a guy goes down like that and you know it's bad, like the last thing you want him to worry about after the fact that he knows he was injured bad is that his team lost, you know? Mm-hmm. So you want to get that win for him just so like – Cause like, imagine like Ryan breaking his wrist and then after being like, man, if I just would have been out there, I could have helped them win. Well, it's like, you know what? Take that out of your we mind. We took care of business. Work, yeah. We right. did that for, we took care of business for you, bro. Wor- worry about yourself right now. Like this is a tough time that you're going through. Like we got this, we'll hold it down. Like get right. So I think that speaks volumes, especially cause the team is so young. And then you see like a Ryan Hawkins step up the way that he did yesterday. Like it was, I was inspired. I really was after I was just I like, know sitting here like man i'm like that some dogs man they just held it down for bro like it, it was it was fun mm-hmm. to watch how about in that last 90 seconds when hawk had that players only huddle on the court like they call that time out and the, you know the coaches kind of like you know get organized real quick and then they come back to the players or whatever like hawk had everybody on the court like just you know like it was a pregame huddle just like yeah. kind of like and every, it was all two, each of them had two eyes on him like that was, I'm getting chills. Get every, get everybody on the same page. It's so yeah. needed in those moments, you know. And him being the elder statesman, the elder statesman of the team, that doesn't surprise me that he'd be the guy to conference everybody up. Uh, and he's kind of been leading in that way all year. Like slowly but surely, we're seeing more and more of his personality and leadership shine through as these games wind down the season. So, uh, for him to step up in that moment, like that, doesn't surprise me. Um, in the, I got to watch the post-game uh, reaction with him and Coach Mack, and he mentioned about, like, they literally didn't know each other in June, July, yeah. August, trying to build those relationships, trying to play together in order to, like, really trust each other on, on and off the floor, obviously. He mentioned how the maturity of the young guys who, who are obviously now growing into their own, how much that's improved their camaraderie on and off the court. And now he's in a position where he is – essentially the outright leader he's an elder statesman he's a guy that has the most experience he's got championship pedigree uh to his name as well so guys really take heed to that and pay attention to the things he has to say in those last moments you need somebody like him to really get the group uh back together i really wanted to ask you guys this because like injuries like what happened to r2 last night i personally can't see it when it happened to grant and when it happened to isaiah i turned my back immediately i remember when i was young i saw sean livingston and obviously we all know about like Kevin Ware and Paul George, like injuries like that, where it clearly looks like 
you know, the bone or something is dislocated, the bone is out of its socket or whatever. Like, I can't see that. So for me yesterday, I just hopped off the couch and like walked out the room. What was you guys' reaction when you saw him like kind of like limp arm? And like, you could tell, like, like you said, like a little bit of panic on his face. I think I saw him kind of say, I think I broke it. I think I broke it. So what was you guys' reaction? Like when it initially happened? Well, like, this is going to sound really weird, but I watched like a lot of MMA and UFC. So you're used to, so like there's been with, with the submission part of it, you like sometimes you, you've seen that a lot before. So, yeah. or like the kicks to the leg when the guy, yeah, so, so I knew like I could see the, the camera, the way, the way the camera came in, like panned into like around the court to his like front side or whatever. So his, his arm he was like holding his arm and you could see that the the wrist like kind of down his forearm a little bit um was protruding in a way that's not normal so you're like okay that only historically means one thing you know what i mean i i don't think a wrist would dislocate in that manner like in that spot so i feel like that's pretty self-explanatory and then so the, I processed that part. And then the other one after that was just like his look on his, on his face. I felt so bad for him. Cause like, mm-hmm. you know, it's, it, it's when you're watching, when you watch athletes go through it and they get hurt, like I think a lot of times they try to like tough it out when they're on the court and then they go through their emotions in the locker room. Right. Or when no one's watching, then they mm-hmm. just like let it all out, you know, the adrenaline releases and they get a little bit of emotional. Right. The hard part about that was, and I'm really glad that FS1 didn't show any replays, was that that none of that happened for him. Like, he was scared, hurt, sad, in Mm -hmm. pain, like, like right away. In real time. Yeah, in real time. Like, that's what I felt so bad for, because it's almost like he was holding his arm and, like, pleading for just, and I don't want to get too deep about this, but it's like like a father figure, like, hey, I'm hurt bad, like, help, 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 you know what I mean? Like, it was almost like that situation. That's the look on his face that I saw. And that was really hard to watch. So I, I after it happened, I just kind of like looked away and waited for the game to resume and just kind of, you know, tweeted through it, I guess. But um, it was a little bit different. But the injury itself, like I have kind of seen that, you know, too many times to to get a little bit um, nauseous. Have that reaction. I was more sick for him than the injury itself. Yeah. 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 For me, it really kicked in when I saw the look on his face. Like it wasn't, I didn't really notice from the initial play, like the initial play was so quick. I didn't really catch it. But then when he was on the ground and I kind of got a glimpse of his wrist and it looked like the Harry Potter, when they took the bones out the wrist and like it was flopping every, I was like, Oh no, 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 no. And then I Mm -hmm. saw his face. And then that's when I got up and I like, I literally stood in front of the TV, like, no, like this can't really be happening. Right. And then right. I just, I, I honestly, I muted the TV because I didn't even want to hear anymore because I was just like, no, I just want to let this pan out. And like, whatever happens, I'll figure it out, obviously, from someone from in our Blue Jay Connection Network that way. And I just didn't mm-hmm. want to like hear bad news from the TV and hear all the reaction. But it was really when it when I saw his face and he was starting to say, I think it's broken and how he looked like you're saying, like, he was like, man, like I, I need some help here. Like, I don't, I don't know what just happened. And then that's when it was real for me. And I just felt so bad for him, man, because it was such a Mm -hmm. quick bang, bang play. And then he was in in pain. Like even when Maurice at Xavier, he tore his ACL and then came back and tried to play like after the initial injury. And so it was much different in that sense. And I just, I felt bad for him, man. Like, tough tough to go through it's tough to see tough to go through for sure like i having gone through an injury like that 
I don't wish it on my worst enemy. Um, so those are the kind of things that happen. It's such a bang, bang play. Like you said, like the camera is still following the action. It's not until like you look back and we see what his facial expression is and what he's actually going through. You could really see like in real time, like we just said, like his face has changed from like, damn, this is a panic situation. Like, I don't know what the hell just happened to me. Yeah. Somebody help me out. Like somebody sure. explain to me what just happened. Cause I don't think he did it. I think he did it off the other player too, which is like mm-hmm. so scary. It's not like he landed wrong or like trying to break his fall. I think he hit the other player's hip and it just went sideways after that. So, you know, what's kind of crazy is like the force of it. I've never seen an injury like that in basketball, but like with the force of two objects, like coming at each other, it doesn't take much. Right. Like, I think that's what, you know, we've learned, we learn by watching things like you even learn, like in when you're watching fighting, like, you know, and you get like a one hitter quitter, like it's, it's the force of the punch coming, but it's also like the guy coming into it. You know what I mean? So it's like, two. Right. it's like, it's like, it creates more force um, of impact. And that's really what it was. It was like Posh was at full speed, you know, coming up the court and R2 was at the full speed going in their direction at him. And then his, you know, he, he, he reaches out for the ball because he's trying to pick it off and he gets it caught, you know, abruptly. And that's what happened. Like it's, it's just two forces coming together at full speed and, you know, something, you know, we're just not meant to, uh, our bones aren't meant to withstand that. So if you get it caught wrong, ain't supposed to move like that. Definitely ain't supposed to move like that. That's it's, it's a freak injury for sure. Um, and the, and the other part of it is like the, the ripple effect of it is like, man, he was playing so well last night too. Like seven (laughs) dimes, no turnovers against St. John's. I Mm -hmm. mean, you guys know what it's like to play St. John's, uh, that's, I mean, anytime you get to like 25 minutes, you haven't turned the ball over against St. John's, you're either the luckiest man on earth or you're doing something really, really well. And I, and I honestly, like, if you think about the way he was scoring the ball against Marquette and you look at his, his turnover ratio, you know, of the last like four or five games, it looked like to me with freshmen, and you guys can talk a little bit about this with freshmen when you're first like coming into college. Every single one of you, like to a person, will talk about the speed of the game being the hardest adjustment at first because mm-hmm. everything moves faster than you're used to processing it, right? Like, that's what it means. It's not like I think people get that confused and like, oh man, the players are so much faster and everything like are so much faster and bigger and stronger. <laughs> like, and it's not like a literal <laughs> thing, it's just like the information you have to process in order to play basketball at that level is moving at a faster pace than you're used to in high school when it's like walk it up. You know, I saw this dude set a screen here, like throw that pass, like cook this dude. You know what I mean? Um, and it looked like for him the last five or six games, like he was starting to play at the speed he's comfortable at because he's figured out the pace of the game at this level. And I, I just thought like when you look at the type of assists he had last night, he, he was making the plays that you don't think about. You know what I mean? Ball screen left, kick back, he's open. Boom. I don't even have to see him. I just churn and I know he's there. Kick right into the shooting pocket, bang three. Um, run up the floor in transition. He's got a defender back. Like he takes away the space. Turn around, flip back to Hawkins, bang three. Like, you know what I mean? That's high level stuff at this point, right? So it looked like that stuff's not by accident. He's figuring out how to do this at a high level, at a fast pace, because he's figured out the speed of the game and he's adjusted to it. And that's the sad part because, like, you could see that his best basketball was starting to come into gear 
and now for it to abruptly stop. He almost has to start back at square one now, and especially with an injury to his dominant hand, like all of the shooting work he put in and everything like that, I don't know what that recovery is going to be like, but I don't know. It might take a little longer because, you know, he didn't come in as a shooter and he put a lot of work in in order to be, you know, hovering around a 40% mark that he was at this year. And for him to have to kind of restart all that and, um, you know, get back into get back up to speed, I think is going to be a challenge. So it's too bad that that happened at the point that it was at because he was really starting to play well. Well, Jade, you broke your wrist, right, while playing? Uh, no, I was just about to mention this. Like, he has to kind of take, and I never thought I'd say this in the history of me speaking about Jay's basketball. He has to take a page out of Devin Brooks' page. He's the one that broke his wrist while in junior college at Iowa Western. And what happened to him is, so he broke his right wrist, and he overdeveloped his left hand because say what you want about Devin and whoever, you know, the type of person that he was. But his he's a gym rat. Like he was always constantly in the gym, even at the, like he's supposed to be in study hall, but he's in the gym, like <laughs> getting himself in trouble because he's not in the places that he's supposed to be because he's in the gym. Like that was Devin. So say what you want about him uh, as like a, what he did at crane and all that stuff. But one thing that he was is someone that really worked hard on his craft. He came when he transferred in with a super overdeveloped left hand. Like he had no weaknesses in his game because he spent that entire, however long the rehab was, dribbling with his left hand working on his layup package working on floaters with his left hand like learning how to in and out and still attack with his non-dominant hand so like i know the kind of kid that ryan is he's gonna get his surgery he's gonna get back into the gym as soon as possible like they're almost gonna have to pull him away from the floor but i could definitely see him as the type of guy who's just gonna be working on that non-dominant hand and i think in the long run it's certainly going to help his game because once he gets like back into like his shooting mechanics once they clear him to do all that stuff all that's going to take is just reps to get back into the flow of things, which is what you were talking about, Matt. Um, like you're not sure how long or how quickly he's going to be able to like get back into the groove of not only the speed of the game, but only, but also like his improvements as a shooter. Uh, I think once he gets back into playing, like that's just going to be muscle memory stuff. That's just going to slowly, but surely come back to him, like riding a bike, so to speak. But what he can really do to improve his game is just to over accentuate that left hand. Uh, if he takes a page out of Devin Brooks, uh, a page out, out of anybody like I think that was something to help his game and you know help it get to the next level hmm, that's interesting so it's not necessarily something where it has to be a a delay in his progress he can actually get better while he's hurt is what you're saying I mean I think we've all seen those iconic pictures of Kobe at the Staples Center wearing in PJs, the pajamas his shorts yeah and like a broken right wrist shooting with his left hand so it's been done before remember when Kobe like just looked wow Kobe goat by the way, R. as R. I'm saying R. all R. this, he, I think he though. dislocated his right shoulder. So he proceeded to shoot all left-handed jumpers for the rest of the game. Like, what is that? Like, who even has that thought process? If my right shoulder gets dislocated, guys, I'm done. Like, this is it. Like, get me yeah. to the nearest trainer, pop it back into place. But my night is done. Kobe yeah. was like, what? We're just getting started. Third quarter? Let me post up on this left block and do a turnaround left-handed jumper real quick. So. Yeah, you Just catch me in the you catch me in the cold tub for that. You catch me in the cold tub, hot tub. I, I, my night would be done. But just to fit, like go back on that point too, Matt, like that you were making, like where he was really hitting the, his stride in the season. I think that will pay off in the long run because I think he realizes that as well. Like I think he start was starting to get a feel for the game, and even though he's out now, like I think when he's grinding now, and once he gets back, he's gonna have that thought in his in his head, like 
I was really in the groove. Now he knows what Big East basketball is about. Like he's had a sample size. And so to be optimistic about it, that sample size is going to help like down the road. Like when he does get back, he knows what it's like to go on the road at Xavier, at St. John's, et cetera. Right. Because he was just able to do it and he finally got his swing. So now I think he's going to be grinding with a goal in mind, which is really, really like it's going to help him in the long run. So I'm excited for him. It'll be interesting. Um, another thing before you before you switch subjects, another thing that I would say too is like I think that like we've seen the growth of this team as far as camaraderie is concerned uh, as the season has gone on. I think he's going to gain so much more respect from his teammates because they're going to get to see his rehab process, how hard he's going to work at it. I remember when you know Gibbs and Isaiah went through their injuries. Ethan was injured that whole season and like he barely practiced, but as much respect as I already had for guys like Ethan and Grant, like I had so much more because I understood the pain that they were going through. The fact that they were able to like suit up on game days was, you know, like it just gave me more motivation to be like, we're not losing these games. Like not for these guys. If these guys are going to risk their knees, like for us to be able to like function as a team, I definitely have to go even as uh, harder than I'm going right now. So I think guys are going to see how hard he's going to work to get back onto the floor. And and that's going to give them, much more respect heading into next season. And I think he's just going to walk into next season even more prepared to be a leader, obviously, than he was as a freshman. Yeah, I'm glad you brought that up because that's kind of the next thing I wanted to transition to. Um, You know, just in listening to the way Mac talked about it on his post-game show, you know, it it just like – it was more somber than I've ever heard him before, and I think he was really impacted by the way his – you know, the way the players responded last night. And I, and I, I felt it watching it. Cause like every time the camera would go into the huddle, you just know, you've got a locked in team when they're just like, it's all eyes on one person talking. And that's how all those huddles were with Mac down the stretch. Like he's sitting there and there isn't anybody like looking up at the scoreboard, looking up in the crowd. Like, you know, there aren't like two walk-ons like in the background, kind of like joking with each other. Cause they know they don't have to worry about these next couple possessions. They're not playing. Um, everybody's like locked in. They're all like staring at him. Like every bit of instruction he's given them. It's like head nod process, head nod process. Got it. Got it. Got it. And I, I just wanted to ask you too, what that's like, especially after a moment where you're all going through some adversity there when you've lost, you know, one of your top leaders, performers, like a big key cog, like when you look at a huddle like that and you see how much focus is being, you know, I guess how to say it, like how locked in everybody looks like, how do you guys, how does that happen? How does that come about? Is it just last night or is it like three months in the process of coming into last night? Like, how does it go? Yeah. I just think for me, what I noticed is it's just like, I kind of said it before, but it's just like you, after something like that happens, the last thing you want to do is let your brother down. And so I think that that buy-in all comes from that. And that just kind of shows how much respect they have for him, not only as like a like teammate, but like as a brother, like as somebody else, because they care so much about him that they're like, we like, that's just, again, not, they don't want to let him down now. And they want to lock in because like, what would that say if they were in that huddle joking and laughing after something like that happened? Right. Like, like I I would be very worried if that was the attitude. So I think it just shows the respect that they have for him and that they were willing to go out there and like really, really try to bear down and win that game just for him. So, and just so he had like one less thing to worry about, man, like that's, that's where my mind was at with that. Yeah, I agree. It's just, there's something very sobering about seeing your teammate go through something like that. So like, and 
I don't know. Like, I'm trying to think about seeing that crane huddle in the past. Like, if there was a couple guys, you know, goofing off on the side. I feel like for the most part, all year, they've been pretty locked in. Every man, like, 1 through 13, I've been pretty locked in about what needs to happen in the moment. So, it's not in this team's character to kind of goof off on the side, to the side or whatever. When Coach Mack is talking, when another uh, coach is, has the floor and, you know, he's trying to express something to the team. Um so since it's not in their character to do it, then I would think that obviously when something like that goes down, they're even so much more locked in. So that was not even like a worry of mine. Like I almost like, cause you're not the first person I see, I saw it on Twitter uh, today too. People being like, Oh, the team looks so much more locked in after he went down. It's just like, I don't know. This is not this team's character to goof off in the first place. <laughs> so, and when something like that happens, like, I almost it almost kind of like went over my head because I wasn't even paying attention to that. I was still obviously worried about our two. Um, but as far as like how the team was going to look when it comes to like communication and in the huddle and all that stuff, I already expected them to just be super locked in. Obviously, you don't want to lose that game after your homie goes down and they were able to pull it out. Kudos to them. Yeah, I like I, th- I really do think it is that serious factor. It is that serious factor that it's like some serious just happened and we need to like be more serious from that, like in this game. And so it was good to see them lock in after. Yeah. It also speaks to the group's maturity too. Like, I mean, uh, stuff like that, like it could kind of go sideways sometimes. Like you didn't see anybody. I don't want to, I don't want to use the term overreact to what just happened to Ryan. Cause I don't think that's fair. Obviously like it, it's fair to like have that reaction. Like I did, like I jumped off the couch and walked to the other room. Mm-hmm. I'm not, I'm not necessarily sure that's an overreaction. I think it's just me being like worried about, you know, he, I mean, he's a fellow Canadian. Like, this goes deeper oh, than yeah. that for me. Facts. So Facts. I was like, this is the guy that, like, I'm putting all my hopes for. He's the only he's only the second Canadian in the program. I was the one and only up until he came. So, like, for me, I was just, like, so, like, worried for him. And that was why I had my reaction. And I don't have this close connection to him uh, as far as, like, being a teammate and a guy that I'm with every single day like these guys do. So... Like, the fact that they were able to just kind of, like, see what happened, process that, like, be mature enough to, like, have that, you know, wash over them and still be able to concentrate on the task at hand, I think it just speaks to the maturity of this group overall. Yeah, it is. I mean, I just think you guys are insane. Like, I just think – I mean, insane is the wrong (laughs) word, but, like, it just takes a special – you have to be wired in a special way to deal with that. I mean, this goes back to Sunday. I just watched on Sunday when – uh, the women's game when Creighton and Seton Hall were tied at 78 last six seconds and Emma Ronsick, the leading scorer stud blows an un the easiest layup she'll ever get in her life. And she didn't mm-hmm. even, she missed the whole rim, everything overshot it, like threw it on the other side of the backboard. And like, that was, they could have won the game right there and said, it's going to overtime and you see her on the bench and she's just like in tears and just like overcome with emotion and, and then, and then overtime starts, and it's like it's gone. And then she's banging, yeah. game, tying threes, and hitting clutch free throws. And it's like, how do you do that? You know what I mean? You're just you just had a moment of sheer devastation in front of a large group of people, your own teammates, sisters, brothers, your family watching, like people in the crowd hating on you. Like that was a major hey. moment right there, and you just like wiped it. The minute the game started happening, uh, it's like time to hoop. You know what I mean? Just, As a guy that's missed wide open layups multiple times in his Korean career, you could get over it pretty quick. It's fine. <laughs> it's fine. It's fine. Hey. You keep winning, you'll get over it. Winning masks a whole lot of time. And the girls have been winning this year. Like they've been winning. So, like, 
I'm sure, obviously, like, yeah, devastated that it didn't work out for her in the moment. But we still have five minutes to win this game. Yeah. All right. Hey, I blew the layup against you and I. Guess what? I still have to get a stop to win that game. So, you know what? At the end of the day, we just have to get it done. I think there's just a level of, like, being able to compartmentalize once you get to a high level of Division One basketball. Like, mm-hmm. you have to be – like, winning obviously helps, but I think you just have to be able to compartmentalize to the point where it's like, all right, like, let's win this game and we can go worry about Ryan after. And that, like, to Jahan's point, that's super mature, especially of this squad. Like, to be able to think like that in real time, like, I can't even say I could think – I. Like I can compartmentalize well now. I don't. I don't know if I could have done that that well as a freshman. Yeah. But to the to this group's credit, like they showed that maturity and they were able to you know put that aside for as long or not even put it aside, use it as fuel for as long as they could and end up winning that game. And so yeah, winning does heal. <laughs> and I don't just bring that up to uh, to highlight what they did after um, R two got hurt. I also bring that up to talk about Trey Alexander's night because that was probably the worst first half of his career and the best second half of his career. Mm-hmm. Like he, he turned the ball over guys. He turned the ball over four times in like an eight minute span. And St. John's like took the game over. You know what I mean? They went from great went from up 10 to down two, basically because he kept giving St. John's the ball. Okay. Now he's a true freshman. Mm-hmm. He's just done that. He goes into the locker room. His team's down seven. He comes out in the second half and immediately hits a turnaround pull-up, gets another pull-up jumper off the dribble, and then proceeds to score his career high, 16 points, all in the second half. Um, Has three more assists, no turnovers, doesn't turn the ball over one time, and basically spearheads the second-half comeback. You know, Even though they were in position to do it when Nemhar was healthy, that thing was trending that way anyway because of the way Trey Alexander was playing. So to go from basically the worst first half of his career and then to have the best second half of your career, like all because you just, what, regrouped in the locker room for 20 minutes? Like what did Trey Alexander show you guys last night in having like a tale of two halves moment that carried his team to a huge road win like that? Well, I kind of wanted to ask Jay, like, what do you think the message was in the locker room? Like, what do you think the team (laughs) was telling him? Like, seriously, because like I know like in a first half where – I play bad or where other teammates have played bad. Like I have some things to say at halftime. So what yeah. do you think the general message was even in that locker room for real? So that's the thing that like, when I think about turnovers, that's the stat like that really like irks people. Yeah. But all in all, he wasn't playing bad in the first half. He just turned the ball over more than you would want, you know? So like, if, if, let's just say, like, yeah. instead of four, he has two. I think all of us would be like, oh, Drew's playing pretty good yeah. this game. Yeah. Like, he, he started off pretty well. But the fact that he had four is what makes us be like, oh, he had a bad half. But I don't necessarily, like, if you go back and look at the film, I don't necessarily think he had a bad half. I just think he turned the ball over in some bad spots. And obviously, like, the number four is what's going to stick out at us and be like, oh, that's really bad. But uh, so, like, to your point, like, what the teammates are probably telling him in the first or in at halftime it's probably like dude you're fine just like let's just limit the turnovers like you're doing some good things for us let's just stop turning the ball over and like we talked about like the team's ability to i always mess up this word but you go ahead and say compartmentalize you got it there it is uh like situations he probably was able to be like they're right like i've done some good things if i just hold on to the ball if we can get a shot up as opposed to me handing the ball over to st john's we're in a good spot 
And that's essentially what he did. And obviously when R2 goes down, like that role gets accentuated so much more. And now it becomes a lot more visible, the good things that Trey is doing. And we can say, oh, yeah, like such a good turnaround from first half to second half. But I'll be honest, if he had like two turnovers instead of four, would we be saying like, oh, he had a bad first half? I don't know. Because I I thought he was playing well. I thought he was moving the ball. I thought he was in the right spot. I thought defensively he was doing a really good job. Uh, Whenever you guys switched on to Champagne, like Champagne being off is one thing. I think the way that Crane was defending him obviously helped him be off even more. Um, So for Trey, I think guys are just like, dude, like you're fine. Like if we limited turnovers, like you're good. Like you're playing really well. You're doing great things for us. Just don't turn the ball over. And that I think that gave him like a little bit more confidence. And all, obviously, he also wanted to prove himself like, I'm not this guy that just hands the ball over to the other team four times and a half. Like, what the hell is this? And he turned it around 60 points, five rebounds, six assists in a game. That, that's a great game. And the, only, the reason I asked that question, and it's probably just because like, that's what I'm used to doing. Like, when I was there, like, I, halftime was my time to like say something to a guy and try to like, impact winning in that way. I guess that was my contrib- mm-hmm. contribution. But the only re- the reason I say that is like, I agree. I would have said the same thing to him. Like I noticed in the first half, the turnovers I thought came from hesitancy. Like when he went in there, like, and he was hesitant, he would turn it over. But like in the second mm-hmm. half, when you started getting to his kill spot, that one dribble pull up from the elbow, I was like, Oh, like he's, that's, I would have told him he, that. Half time. Like, go kill. like go, <laughs> yeah. go get downhill until somebody stops you because he was just getting in there and being like, okay, what other options do I have? I'm like, no, no, no. You're the option. Look how close you are to the basket. Just shoot it. Mm-hmm. And so I think once hopefully someone or whatever the message was, it doesn't matter, but whatever you heard at halftime to get him to be more aggressive and not worry about the turnovers. Cause I thought I could kind of see the worry in his face a little bit in the first half. And then I think he just settled in. And like you're saying, it wasn't necessarily a bad first half, but he just capitalized on like the areas he could improve. And that's what it showed. Yeah. I thought the, the, the most impressive part was they did it from the jump too. Like he got inside to that little turnaround fade that he likes to shoot that turnaround fall away. Like on their first trip, it's like, oh, you know, like he it made me think that I don't even know if necessarily someone told him he's fine or lit into him or whatever it was. But I felt like he had like a he used that halftime in a valuable way. Like, I think he went into Mm -hmm. the locker room thinking. I'm not playing like that. And again, you know what I mean? Like it's uh, my stat lines, all zeros. Now the score is zero, zero. I'm just going to come out here and do what I've trained to do my whole life. Like all the work I've put in, like I'm going to put a better foot forward than I just walked into the locker room at. Cause it looked like he was a different player. You know, he was more confident. He had more swagger. He was moving with more purpose. He was getting to his spots, like with a purpose, like I'm going here, I'm going here to score or I'm going here to set my feet and make a play for somebody. That was the impressive part. It's like he washed that away quick. You know what I mean? He didn't come out hesitant at all. Yeah. I think if you're a freshman, and you just had like an over first half where you didn't score and you coughed the ball up four times and it immediately led to the game flipping on its head where you guys went up from dominating to chasing St. John's now, like, and getting them rolling. It, it, I, it was crazy impressive to see him flip the page that quickly and play the way he did sustain it too. You know what I mean? He didn't just hit a couple shots. Like he kept going. So that was impressive to me and something that kind of, it's, it, you know, everything we watched this year is kind of always with like a eye to the future. You know what I mean? Like we've kind of, we've kind of yeah. like mortgaged the pe- the present this year. Yeah. And, they're, and yeah. then honestly, like they're third place in the big East and we've totally just like, Oh, how about that? You know what I mean? <laughs> As if that's easy to do with some shit, but uh, uh, 
that is just like that's big time and he's that's only mm-hmm. the beginning for him it's crazy that that's just like he's just scratching the surface and he did something like that as a freshman you know what i mean a couple of things i definitely want to speak on like we always say in basketball like shooters have short memories you know like good bad ugly make or miss you got to not worry about it and just shoot the next shot i think athletes in general kind of fall into that mantra too where like if you're playing quote-unquote bad in the first half like you have to wash that away like especially with someone as talented as he is, like he had to just be like, you know what? Like I just had, I just got to hold on to the ball. That's it. Like I'm doing things that are good. I just have to hold on to the ball. But the other part that you said about mortgaging our future, <laughs> our mortgaging our present for our yeah. future, <laughs> you are a Cause I can't, I said it at the very beginning of the year. Like if this group chooses to stay together, cause you, you never know what can happen with these off seasons nowadays. Right. So you're just like, if this group chooses to stay together, they're sophomore year, man, they're going to be world beaters. Like, no doubt in my mind. And then you look up and you're just like, well, there's third in the big East. <laughs> <Yeah>, what <already laughs> are you talking doing? about? <laughs> Let's go get it right now. What you mean? Let's go get it right now. But it's just so funny that like we keep saying, like, they're a young team. On my podcast, like I've I my go-to phrase the entire year has been exercise patience. Exercise patience. Like, don't get too high, don't get too low, just exercise patience with this group. They're young, they're gonna figure it out. They're kind of like a smurgish board of players right now. They're just kind of been all thrown together. And uh, Coach Mack has helped them figure it out. But you look up and you're just like, damn, they're third. And, like, you just always think, like, a little bit They're like, they're like, like why can't we get – Yeah. It's not, like, it's not like one of those seasons exactly. where like so, through eight is all, like, tied up and there's tiebreakers. Like, they're two games clear. I, Crazy. I just keep thinking to myself, like, why, why not now? You know, why not now? And, obviously, our two goes down is going to make life a lot difficult, a lot more difficult for the Chase. But, like – boys like we're right here you know why not now like you're you're gonna be really good in the future as well but why not now so i just find it so funny that you just mentioned like yeah we've kind of mortgaged our present a little bit for these guys to grow and all that stuff but they put they've earned the right now for us to be a little bit more hype on this team about what they could do in the present as opposed to always being like yeah they're young they're figuring it out next year though next year they'll be good like they're they're good right now and they have a chance to make some noise if they if everything kind of falls in line for them, they can make some noise, obviously, in the Big East tournament. And then they've played their way out of that uh, last four-in conversation. I think they're kind of squarely in the tournament if the season were to end today. So mm-hmm. uh, I don't know, man. I'm As much as I love to say exercise patience, it's so freaking hard not to be excited about this team. Yeah, I think the mantra is going to turn to be like exercise patience. And then like now it's like, why not us? Like it's going to get, it's going to train. I don't know when the point is going to be where it transitions to exercise patience. And then why not us? Might be Big East tournament, might be NCAA. I don't know. I don't know. But hey, it might, it just might end up that way. Jordan, this is something that you and I talked about on our preseason podcast, but I think it's time to like raise the floor permanently for. As long as Greg McDermott, as long as Greg McDermott is the head coach of Creighton, like. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. When you get like when he retires and like someone else comes in, then you can start like using like the seven, eight, nine spots for Creighton if you want. But like it's time to stop that shit now. Like it just is. Yeah. We talked about it before the year, Jordan. Mm-hmm. How many like what position in the standings do you think Jay Wright is in in the preseason poll if he has a top five recruiting class coming in and loses a bunch of like starters? Like where do you think? What's, what, what's nope. the spot? Like two, right? No like, less than two. No yeah. less than yeah. two. Okay, like, so so let's three. Adjust. Three is a slap in the face to Villanova. Yeah, like, yeah. That's what I was. That's what I was thinking. So let's adjust yeah. for Villanova because they've got some natties and Creighton doesn't have natties. So let's adjust for Villanova mm-hmm. and say what's a realistic floor 
for a Creighton team that under Mac has only finished, has only gone to the play-in game one time, and it was after uh, um, Jahan's Doug, Ethan, and them all left the year after that. Mm-hmm. Um, when they were still transitioning to the Big East. like So basically every year they've been a Big East team, they've never had been in the play-in game. So why would you ever in your mind put them like eighth, ninth, we said this in the preseason. We're like, are we crazy yeah. or are we too high? No, this is a good – I'm glad oh, you brought no, this up because I actually – I think now as we see this young team at 11 and 5, they've you got UConn in the league now, so there's more teeth to this thing. They've already won at UConn. They were the first team mm-hmm. to beat UConn all year when UConn was healthy, okay? Like, that's it. And we saw what UConn just did to Nova the other yes. day. So. okay. So it's time to stop. It's time to raise the floor permanently as long as Greg McDermott it has a pulse and he's coaching Creighton. Because they're not ever going to be the sixth, seventh, eighth, ninth place team in this league. It's just not. It's not going to happen. So you need it. Like from now I'm on, not, we're raising the floor. They're always a top five team until like we get years and years of sample sizes that says they're not. So I'm done with it. They're easy. To coin a phrase like, oh. from the coin a phrase from the office. I'm not superstitious. I'm a little stitious. So I'm gonna knock on wood. <laughs> You know, that go. you're there not just like next year all of a sudden Great reference. like a nine seed or whatever. Hey. But <laughs> you're well, absolutely right, though. Like, Mac has done wonders with like a, a bunch of different teams. Like, uh, it made me sick to my stomach to see them be preseason number eight. Like, that was the one thing that I kept saying, like, oh, Mac is putting this on the bulletin board and he's hitting that note every single day. Like, these guys think you guys are bums. Like, y'all are bums, according to these guys. I don't think you're bums. I recruited you. I brought you over here. Like, I know how good you guys can be. But they think you're bums. Like, what are you guys going to do and say about it? And they've responded. Obviously, they've had a roller coaster kind of a year. Like, they've been really, really great in some spots. They've been very questionable in others. Those are all growing pains. Now we see as the Big East regular season is winding down, they're one of the top, obviously, they're one of the top teams. They're the number three team right now. Yeah. And I always said this, the biggest thing that hurt this team early on in the Big East schedule is that they beat Nova at home after Arizona State came into Omaha and snuck away with a victory. They beat Nova at home. COVID, COVID, COVID. They're not yeah. able to get that momentum. The next time they play is three and a half weeks later where all the momentum that you could have built off that Villanova game beating the eventual, they're the number one seed right now, right? So, Or is it Providence right now, right? Technically? Yeah, it's, it's uh, Providence is one, Nova's two, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, like, you beat the preseason number one in the Big East in the Big East opener in Omaha. The crowd's rocking, and you're not able to build off of that. Their next two mm-hmm. I believe that this team could. The next two games were against DePaul and Georgetown, too. So, think about your springboard there. You know what I mean? Exactly. And, like, say what you want about, like, oh, I mean, you can only play who's in front of you. Yeah, that's true. But the timing of when you play some teams, like, it certainly helps. You can look to my 2014 team when we went at in Philadelphia and beat him. It's because we were so upset and pissed off that Providence got the best of us the day before that we put a hurting on Nova. Mm-hmm. Like, we put an absolute hurting on them. But, like, it's like the timing of these games also matters. So if you're not able to build momentum before you play, like, these next uh, teams, of course, like, there's a chance that you'll go, like, at Butler and lose, you know? Like, those things, like, happen. So I always thought, like the COVID situation did this team a huge disservice. But I'm also saying that with a grain of salt because other teams have had to deal with some COVID situations as well. So um, now they find themselves in a good spot. So, yeah, Jordan, like you're right. The mantra has to change. Why not us? Why not right now? <laughs> right. 
but just kind of going back on what you were saying, because I've I brought this up on this podcast before, and I've just like I don't understand what it is. Like obviously there's the media disrespect, like you're picked eighth. Like I think we were picked like but seven. The media doesn't year. do it, it's just the coaches. The media doesn't vote. So oh my god, even worse, even it's worse. I'm mad. I'm mad that I'm mad that I know that now. And so, but Jay, this is my question because I rem- I know for all the all four years I was there, after we would beat teams, especially like on the road. All you would hear in like the post game pressers or like players when they're walking off the court, like I can't believe we lost to Creighton. Like, uh, and I'm like, why? Why can't you believe that? Like, we're good. We beat Nova. Like, what do you mean? Like, this is <laughs> we we just beat like we we beat the best team in the league, Jordan's and then like, we got all these teams. Jordan's to- like in a morgue. Like, look at all these bodies we got over here. Like, you kidding? Me? I'm just. <laughs> it, it just confuses me. Like when you got like Marcus Howard and guys being like, man, how do we lose to Creighton? I'm like, what do you mean how? Like. We've shown you the blueprint because we've done it bro. for years. Was it that way when you were there, bro? Like, did did were teams oh. like that still? Uh, I was about every to say, team. try being the first Creighton yeah. team in the Big East. This was every single but this game, was, and, and this bro. is what I'm saying. I'm like, we're post Greg. I'm post Greg, or excuse me, but, I'm post Doug McDermott era. So I'm like, do they not yeah. know about him? Like, I'm Dude, confused. So here's the thing. Hold on a second. You no, know, no, go ahead, Matt. Go you ahead. Know Buzz Williams coaching at uh, AM right now. Yeah. Oh my yeah. God! Don't oh, even get Buzz don't, Williams was Matt. You're gonna oh, you're gonna piss. <laughs> Buzz, yeah, Matt, this is what I want. Uh, Buzz Williams was Marquette's head coach uh, <sighs> the first year that Jay was in the league, and they played uh, the first game, first Big East game for Creighton was against Marquette on New Year's Eve, and like Creighton whips them, dude. I Marquette. I don't even think Marquette scored fifty, and in the post game presser, like Buzz Williams is like taking questions over like what happened, and everything. And he didn't refer to one Creighton player by a name. It was all a jersey number. And I was like, oh, you're that kind of disrespectful. Like, you didn't – you walked in here, like, not even knowing these dudes at all. Like, no scouting report. You were just like, yeah, you know, 12's a energy oh. guy, 34 can shoot, yada, yada, yada. So, like, that was the start of, like, oh, Creighton's about to, like – Creighton's about to walk in here like the team that's not supposed to do shit. And then they're everybody's going to be surprised. So, that was my introduction. The- Oh yeah, this is so. A, a, a couple of things about that, Matt. You remember the following year he leaves to go to Virginia Tech, and yeah. he had been quoted as saying that one of the reasons he left is he felt the Big East was turning into a mid-major conference. Yep. Whoa, yep. yeah, that's a slap in the motherfucking face. Like I already like when I saw that, I was like, what the like, yeah. no way, dude. Like I can't believe he just you said beat them that. twice that. So year. that's like number one. By double digits. Yeah. We beat, yeah, we beat them at their place. Beat them in the Big East opener. They were supposed to be preseason number one, and yes. I think they ended up in like fourth or fifth. Yeah. Like so, this is a team that like absolutely did not achieve what they were sent out to achieve, and like the way that the coach reacts to that is to say that he's leaving the conference because turning to a mid major, dude. If it's turning to a mid major, you're supposed to win easily. So mm-hmm. that's just one. Yeah. Number two. <laughs> Like the whole like try being the Talk first about team it. in the Big East. We were hearing it from Scene Hall. We were hearing it from DePaul. And I remember one time, like Coach Mack, we were. I think we might have been undefeated at that point, and we had just beat the or St. John's at home. Uh, Doug hit that buzzer beater. Oh yeah, Isaiah yeah. said a hell of an illegal screen on that player <laughs> <laughs> to get him open. <laughs> Shout out to Zerdin for that. Um, and then Coach Mack came into the locker room, and we were about to go, like, on a two- or three-game road trip. And he goes, guys, like, this is when we have to be as diligent as ever because you know these other guys are saying, like, who are these new cats? You know, who are these new cats who are 6-0 in the Big East? Like, who are they? They've got no business being, you know, in, in our league, like, winning all these games. So, like, Coach Mack understood, and he relayed that message to us. Like, guys, like, 
as good as we've been playing, like we really have to like be 10 toes down as much as we've been all year right now in this moment. So like we felt it, obviously Mac and the staff felt it. Uh, the next year didn't really help <laughs> with that because like you said earlier, like that was a year where they really struggled. They lost so many games. I think they lost like seven or eight games, but like three or less. Yeah. Like they just lost so many close games that next year. So again, I'm sure like that whole like feeling in the biggies is just like, ah, there's a mid-major team that just so happened to get a biggie spot. But since then, we've been kind of like doing well. It's been top three finishes. And if I'm not mistaken, like it's been top three or or bus. Like we haven't been anything lower than three in the last seven, eight years. So I don't know, man. I don't know when we're gonna get a respect, but like it, it needs the floor needs to be raised for sure. Yep. I'm done. Like no more no more sub five preseason poll nonsense. Stop it. We'll uh, see. Just, They're gonna do it again next year. I know. I just I will. I just can't get the phrase, how did we lose to Creighton? How how did we I mean I can show you. You want to watch the film with me? I could show like yes, I, I don't so, get it, but hey. Jordan, Jordan, it's so crazy because like when we were in the valley, these big teams didn't want to see us. Like they didn't want to yeah. play us. Yeah. They had to go like Talk about it, Jay, right? Thanksgiving tournament. Yeah. And, like no one wanted to do a home and home with us. No one wanted to sign that contract. So like people knew. So like the fact that we go into the biggies and we're still getting that, like that makes no sense. I think it's just you know, the blue bloods of a conference. So like the guys who have been there like for multiple years to see a newcomer come in and have success. Uh, I think it raised obviously a little bit of jealousy and it also like reaffirms like the whole, like, Oh, we're because we are a biggies team. Like from the start, we're supposed to be better than you. It's like, nah, bro, it's zero, zero. When the, when the ball tips off, like you got to show me for 40 minutes in these show lines, who's better. Exactly. I'm from Missouri when it comes to this. Show me. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I love it. No, but it was it's true though. Like, you know how like Villanova won the natty the year that Xavier won the league outright, and everybody was like, mm-hmm. everybody was like, Yeah, Nova's still the best team in this league. Like, stop it. Like Creighton Nova won the title that year, but Creighton dog walked them twice. They were the best team in the league that year, like from mm-hmm. year one. So it's time to raise the floor. Like, no more of this seven. Oh, they've lost a bunch of starters, and I just don't know. Like, stop it. Mac beats you. Doesn't matter. Time. Yeah. He out coaches you. He out schemes you. His players outwork you. Like it's time to put some respect on this man's legacy. He's 58 years old now. Like he's won the league. He, you know, Providence is, uh, what are they? They're a game and a half or something like that up on Nova, right? One, yeah, yeah. Like a game and a half game up and on half. Nova right now, right? If they beat Creighton on Saturday, they win their, they win the conference. And it'll be the first time they've ever done it. So, Creighton has won a Big East title before Providence, and Providence has been in the league like 25, 30 more years. Just, just mm-hmm. hello. Like, it's time to put some respect on what Mac's doing at Creighton. No more of this, like, yeah. seventh, eighth, ninth business. Like, always top five. Let them prove you wrong in a bad way because it's just like the, the proof is in the pudding right now. It's like they keep winning, and you think, like, it's like, oh, Look at these young Jays, like, catching people by surprise. Like, we didn't expect a lot out of them. Well, like, time for you to expect a lot out of them. And then you won't be shocked by it, right? Like, when right. Creighton beats Nova by 20, that shouldn't surprise you because Creighton has beaten Nova more than anybody else in this league has beaten Nova. Right? Am I wrong? Talk about it. Talk say, about it. Just saying. Yo, just saying. Say it. Say it. Go, go get on your soapbox right now. Say it loud. <laughs> <laughs> Let's go. Let's get the word out. Speaking sorry, of respect, sorry. though. I'll calm, I'll calm down. Mac. Yeah, Mac, coach of the year. How close are we to making that happen? Well, that was one of the, that was like a popular question we got. Uh, and honestly, I already kind of like declared Shaka the coach of the year when they swept Nova, 
and I've been really hesitant to walk that back. Um, but man, I don't know. I might have to walk that back. You know what I'm saying? Like mm-hmm. Creighton's two games better than Marquette in the standings right now. They swept them. They also have a win over Nova. Um, they were both picked in the same spot in the standings, like eight and nine. They were both right there, you know. Uh, shoot, dude, I don't know. I might have to walk it back. I don't like walking stuff back. I feel like when I declare things, I should stand on it. Oh, you guys tell me. I, 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 I said shock is the coach yeah, of the year. I need, like, I need you. I need you to help me on this. Like I need you to help me on this, bro. I, I have some I, thoughts. So, this is this is the thing with human nature, and this is my psychology background. Shout out to psychology department on campus, man. I love you guys. Y'all give me a great degree. And I get to break down the human mind, especially when it comes to basketball, as much as I possibly can. <laughs> Shaka yeah. Smart is the new toy that we have in the biggie. So we're just like bigging it up because it's new. It's exciting. It's a different brand of basketball. Uh, not so different, but, you know, it's new in a sense that like a Marquette team hasn't played in this style in a really long time. So because of that, I feel like he's kind of been given leeway when it comes to like who's been doing a really good job of coaching this year coach mac now is a decade plus into the league we know what to expect out of coach mac a team that loves to push the pace space the floor knock down threes pick and roll high handoffs to a big guy that's gonna throw it down like that's been coach mac's mo for the last six or seven years so it's like we've seen it before it's still working uh so we're not giving Coach Mack, as far as when I say we're, I'm talking about like people talk about who should be in the Coach of the Year conversation. They're not giving Coach Mack as much push as he deserves. Now, Coach Cooley, he's all world, man. He's a yeah. hell of a coach. Like I, He's one of the guys, like even back my senior year, the first time playing against him, just the way what he's able to get out of the guys in that program, he's always surprised me with how well he coaches those guys up. And talk about like a coach who can adjust to their strengths. Those my senior year, they were running a goddamn flex offense because oh, he knew that's what all they do. That's all they do. And it's like they don't run it very much this year, Jordan. That's no, what I'm saying. Year. It's like not depending on the who's in there, the program, though. he's adjusted tremendously to who he has, what their strengths are. When he had Chris Dunn, he didn't run it too much either because he knew he had a guy that was like high IQ, great athlete, can get up and down the floor. So they were fast breaking a lot more. They were walking the ball up against us wasting 30 seconds on the shot clock shooting in the last two so you know what i mean so like coach cooley is all world when it comes to like knowing who he has knowing his personnel knowing how to get the max out of his guy so he's the only guy in this year that i would put above mac uh as coach of the year jay wright is always going to be in the conversation he deserves that much obviously but to me i have cooley one i have mac two i have smart three we're i guess we're bored with villanova's success so i got right four and that's how it looks to me. How about you guys? So I'm glad you said that because I completely agree with the shock of smart take because I was going to say you can't. I, I just don't think in one year you got to show me for two. You got to give me some consistency in the Big East since it's such a tough league before I anoint you as Big East coach of the year. You, oh, might, you guys I might dis- hate me. I disagree. I disagree with you on that take. Really? Really? Coach of All the right. year is is what you're doing for me this year, dude. I don't care if your team was 0 16. Like, if you come out the next year and you guys are like beating teams, like you deserve to be in that conversation. So that's the way that I look at it. So it's not necessarily okay, about they, a consistency thing when it comes I, to smart. I just think he's getting a lot more push because he's the shiny new toy in the conference. I get that, but it would have to be like you got to blow me out of the water in your freshman or in your first year, excuse me, and. Mm-hmm. 
although the two wins like Villanova winning home in a way like that is huge. And that's, I'm not like putting that off to the side. I just think there needs to be even more consistency. Cause like, I didn't really think they were even that good until like halfway through conference play when they started to get there. Cause beginning of the season, I don't know. I mean, they had the win at with the Illinois win, but I was still not convinced. So I don't know. Maybe it's just me and me thinking that they were the biggest roller coaster in the big East at first and not being all in. But I guess I'm going to have another controversial take here where I think uh, Big East Coach of the Year is who wins on Saturday. Okay, you know what? That is not controversial. I think I, I think that's the – and I'm going to be there. I will be in attendance. Me and Mo are going to that. So, hell yeah. I will be there in attendance. And I just – I really – I've been thinking about this a lot today because I've just seen it all on Twitter. Everyone's calling for Mac to be Coach of the Year. And I'm like, you know what? I think Saturday's the game. Because all the points you just said about Cooley, man, like the way he's like held this team together, the way he's like made decisions based on his personnel this year and how they've kind of like gone about just like playing offensively and defensively. Yeah, like credit to him. Like it's been, it's looked unbelievable, especially in close games. But I think yeah. it's a toss-up still. It's Matt, Mac and Cooley on Saturday. We'll, yeah. we'll see. That's that's going to be my pick. The best of friends. The best of friends going at it for a coach of the year spot. Also, I mean, you talk about a new coach winning coach of the year. Shout out to D-Rock, though. D-Rock killing at Drake. Man, hey, for real. Drake. We would be remiss if we did His first year. He stepped in got coach of the year in his first year, and he hasn't looked back since. He's been in the tournament a couple of times now, and uh, they just, I think, did they clinch the other day, the Missouri Valley? I'm not sure. No, but I put it on my story 20, on Instagram about another 20 wins. Oh, yeah, first time that's ever done, been done yeah. in uh, Drake history. Four back-to-back-to-back-to-back, back-to-back-to-back-to-back, uh, 20 win seasons. Never been done in their history. And we know how good of a team Drake was at times in the Valley. So, man, shout-out D-Rock, man. <laughs> shout-out shout D-Rock because D-Rock's so fun to watch, man. I don't know if you, yeah. like – to him he was only there my freshman year and so just being able to watch some of those games and see tucker who's now bigger than me yeah. freaks me yeah. out but watching watching wearing, D-Rock wearing coach, 12 man, too shout out tucker wearing 12, wearing 12 shout out tucker he yeah he he's on the, he's on the 12 vibe big 12 energy yeah. and so just just seeing d-rock coach man brings me joy because you know me i'm i'm my speed is like i'm hype i'm hype i'm all the time hype i want to celebrate hype moments and obviously mac not so much like that and so after d-rock left man the only chance i got was to watch him with his team and get hype like that and yeah shout out d-rock um, I'm gonna get I'm gonna get D Rock a lifetime supply of five hour energy, bro. I think that's the best gift I'll ever give him. Like I'll uh, just he, go ahead and give that to, to him. Wash, like, wash my hands of it. Never gonna have to give him another Christmas right, right. present. That <laughs> I'm interested. To, that's a good question. You think he still drinks that amount of Red Bulls that he used to? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. To be a head. Old habits die hard. Staying it longer for sure. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, He's got so much more on his plate than when he was just when I'm gonna say just the assistant. Like it wasn't that's obviously a great job, but when he was the assistant, he didn't have nearly as much on his plate as he does as a head coach. He's gotta oversee a whole program. True. Of course, so he's he, probably drinking twice. So he's shotgunning night. him, he's shotgunning him in the morning. He's just yeah, okay. All right. Yeah, I thought so. <laughs> that's why I love that man. <laughs> All right, I want to get back on Jordan's point about uh Saturday. Because I, I think it's a really good one. Um about the COI being up for grabs because like 
And honestly, maybe that's not even like a fair fight because Mac's not going to have his PG one or his PG two. Honestly, because Reef's not going to play either. We forget, and that that's part. exactly why he's part. coach of the year. So he, but on, that's exactly why. Hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. Let me just like because I have been really Matt, hesitant. The stage is set. The stage is literally know, set for him to win I'm, it. I'm with you because here's the thing, and I, I might piss some people off, but like I did, I did kind of declare Shaka because. They swept Nova and they beat Providence by like 30 the first time they played them. And they lost to them at the buzzer in the dunk, which is apparently like a haven for like dark magic now. Like that's just like the Friars are going to win. It's going to be weird. And like, I don't know how to explain it. Um, so like that was super impressive to me. Right. But they, that was like kind of like a month that they were like unbeatable. You know, they beat Xavier pretty convincingly. They beat Providence convincingly. They swept Nova. It's like, ooh, Marquette, dang. Looking like the best team in the league. But then they have since, you know, they got they lost to Butler where they didn't play well defensively at all. Um, you know, lost to Providence. Uh, lost to UConn. Lost to Creighton again. So I'm like, dang, maybe I, like, shot that shot too early on Shaka because – and it's not like Marquette shouldn't still like be optimistic about what they've got going on there. Like, but you know, they're nine and seven in the lead. They're two games behind Creighton and they were both picked right next to each other in the standing. So maybe that's not the can't, maybe that's not the, uh, the resume I thought it was trending to be. Um, so I kind of have to walk you, it back you know, now because uh, it just depends. Like Creighton's 11 and five right now. They've won at UConn. They've beaten Nova. They've swept Marquette. Um, they swept St. John's. So, like, that, there's a lot there already. And the thing about Cooley winning Coach of the Year, and I think it's going to be – I don't even – I think he's going to win it because Providence is probably going to win the league. And you just can't not have a guy – you can't have a team go from seventh to first and not say that guy's the Coach of the Year. Unless you've got, like, the Player of the Year for sure and then, like, two first-teamers, which they don't have. Um, they only have one first teamer, honestly. Uh, but they have also had the schedule. Like, I can't ignore that, that their schedule has been the easiest in the league and it's going to be the easiest in the league, no matter how this thing finishes. You know what I mean? They didn't have to play. They didn't have to play a healthy UConn, first of all, and they didn't have to play them. They only played them once. They played Seton Hall at home out of a pause, didn't have to go to the return game. They didn't have to go to Omaha. And, and now they're going to play Creighton at home, and Creighton won't have Ryan Nemhart or Sharif Mitchell. Alex O'Connell's going to be hurt. Arthur Kaluma's just coming back. Like, they're, the, the stars of every galaxy and every universe are aligning for Providence this year. And I'm just like, maybe Max doing a little bit more with a little bit less, and maybe that's worth more than it is just to say that's the coach of the year because they won the league. You know what I mean? Well, like, the stage is set. The stage is set for sure for Coach Mack to – if Coach Mack wins this game. He got it. He got it. Are we not saying that he is the coach? Of, I mean, are we not he saying that, it. in my opinion? Like, if, if he wins this game on the road, point guard one, point guard two Talk about gone. it. Talk about it. Hobbled team. We just got Kaluma back. He's still going to be on a minutes restrictions, I think, right? I don't think they're going to pull that away from him just yet. 
no. which actually, I'll be honest, he looked really good last night for a guy that only had to play limited minutes. What, what was the stat line? 12 the points. Knee brace, think, the knee brace. The knee brace is ugly as hell, though. The knee brace is he ugly as like hell. He, he looked like an O-line. He looked like an O-line, man. He looked like Brady after he tore his ACL. Like, I'm like, come on, get that hey. off. But no, it's, oh, if it keeps him in the game, if it keeps him in the game. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I didn't mean it like that. The aesthetic's off, but yeah, no, keep that shit on. <laughs> keep wearing that keep wearing that knee brace but um yeah that's he tough, looked really dude. good they, in the minutes that he played that, yeah that's that's it's tough to deny at that point you know what i mean it, it just would be so i i said this a couple i'm not sure if i said it in public but i always thought kaluma's best role for this particular year is to come off the bench because i just don't feel like he had figured out exactly what this team needs of him so for him to come off the bench, like he could really just get into his own as opposed to like being in the starting five and like having to uh, come off ball screens and share the ball and all that stuff. When he comes off the bench, he can kind of play the role that Denzel played his first transfer year in. Mm-hmm. I thought like it, it would be a little bit better for him to play that role in this first year and to have a secondary ball handle like Trey to help out with uh, Ryan. Obviously, all of that kind of goes out the window now. But how did you guys feel about like seeing Arthur come off the bench? And obviously, he had really good productive minutes off the bench. I I don't want to say this was his best game; like that would be a lie. But he looked really good out there for the time that he was there. Well, I thought it, I thought it was one of his best games. I did. Like I don't think that's a stretch because mm-hmm. I thought you know he he crashed the offensive glass. He looked like he defended pretty well. Um, I think him and Trey's decision making with the ball was probably an issue in the first half. But you know he was still able to score effectively without having that like Arthur type bounce and athleticism. That first step wasn't there because you could clearly see that the, the knee isn't hundred percent, but like super effective. I thought in his minutes, I thought he was a really big reason why they built the early 10 point lead. And without that, who knows what the game looks like if St. John's makes their run, if it's tied, like that might be a 15 point halftime deficit instead of seven. So, uh, mm. Yeah, he was big, and I I was really encouraged by what I saw. And it's interesting your point about him coming off the bench as opposed to starting, because I think when that decision was made before the season, the logic was that Arthur Kaluma and Ryan Hawkins are they're two of our five best players, so they got to be out there for us. You know what I mean? Um, it it's right. it, we'd be overthinking it if we didn't. But I've watched Flan's team all year, you know, and I I hate to keep comparing that because it's just it's not it's not quite apples to apples. But uh, Morgan Molly is easily one of their five best players. You know what I mean? Like, um, she might even be one of their three best players, honestly. And she's come off the bench all year. So, yeah, it's, it, it, it does go to what Jahens is saying a little bit there about, like, there's just something, a different level of comfort you can settle into when you just come off the bench after, like, seeing the game for a little bit. You can kind of figure out what needs to be done and how you can impact the game, right? Yeah, I like that because honestly, where I thought about it, like to the point Jay just brought up, I like like because he he really affected the game like and where I think he has the best impact is on the offensive glass. Like he comes in and rebounds at a whole different rate. And I think for him, when he came off the bench like yesterday and in other games, like coming off the bench and attacking the glass, like it totally switched up. The defense wasn't anticipating that because whoever he subbed in for wasn't crashing the glass. And if they were, they weren't as big as him crashing. So Mm -hmm. yeah, I thought that was definitely uh, unique. I didn't, I didn't think about that at the beginning of the year, Matt, you know, I was a bit heavy on like play the taller guys, like give a bigger lineup and have Trey come with energy off the bench. But now the way that things have kind of panned out, I think it's a little bit of the opposite where it's like, 
Trey can kind of mediate and hold it down from that guard position. And then if you can bring Kaluma off the bench, why not? But I, I just guess thought like, the window. yeah, it, I mean, it, this is all happening <laughs> yeah. speaking because of what happened last night, obviously. Yeah. But <laughs> I just saw, I just saw the, like the little bit of discomfort between him and Hawkins who can both play the stretch four. They can both play a little bit of a three, but it's like, neither really like to handle the ball as much as like a three and coach max system is going to have to. So I think I thought that's what I kind of did a disservice to Kaluma to start the year is because like he was asked to come off ball skills and asked to be making those decisions. And, you know, at that stage in his career, like maybe he's not ready for that. I think it was a little bit surprising how good Hawkins was. And I think that's what kind of messed up the whole thing. Uh, I think coach Mack was just like, damn, like we cannot have a lineup with Hawkins not out there. Like, you know what I mean? Yeah. I think that's what kind of like made the decision of like, okay, well, Arthur is good enough handling the ball that we could play him at the three and just kind of, uh, you know, roll with that group. But I remember like the first handful of games, I was just like, I don't know, man. I, I think I'd rather go small and either have Hawkins or Kaluma come off the bench. I, at that time, I didn't know who was going to be the better of the two for the Jays this year, early on in the season. But I just felt like, okay, like you got a guy who's a fifth year senior who knows what he's doing. Maybe the freshman needs to come off the bench. Like, I know he was Max's highest recruited uh, player and all that stuff. Like, I know there's a whole bunch of pressure that comes with that. But I just thought it made more basketball sense to have Kaluma come off the bench. But again, this is all hypothetical. Like, obviously, I think the move now is to put him back in the starting lineup um, to have Trey be your primary ball handler and obviously have guys like O'Connell, like, help to initiate offense from time to time. Because, like, you know, if I'm Providence, if I'm Coach Cooley, if I'm the potential coach of the year, I'm putting full court pressure on uh, Trey and I'm seeing, hey, can you handle the spotlight on the road against the number one team in the Big East? when your number one point guard just went down and now you are the one that's been thrusting into, you know, all the decision-making essentially for a crane team. Okay. So that's the question I have because I'm, I'm not sure about what their best lineup is for Providence. And I'm curious to see what you think their starting five should be. Like, should Arthur be back in the starting lineup? Because it's tough too. He's, his minutes, I doubt his minutes restriction has gone all of a sudden, like that's still going to be there. Um, yeah, it's definitely kind of still going to be there. Part of it, like, doesn't Roddy make more sense alongside Trey if Trey has to deal with a lot of pressure that Providence is likely to throw at them? So, like, aren't you looking at more of a Trey, Roddy, Alex, Hawk, Kaufpinner starting five with Arthur and Key off the bench? Or do you no, want, do you you want go... Roddy, Arthur, do you want Roddy and Key off the bench? You go, so this is me. Like, if this is me coaching on Saturday, I go Trey, Alex, Arthur, Hawk, Kalk. We switch okay. one through four. We go hard hedge with Kalkbrenner, and we're rotating behind him as he's coming back defensively. So that's number one. Number two, I'm telling Alex O'Connell, hey, look, we, we've been hiding you a little bit this year because R2 has been taking the bulk of the decision making. You need to start, you know, helping this team initiate offense, organize the guys. Like, that's what I'm telling Alex. Like, I know, like, we haven't put you in that spot, but you're capable of doing it. Like, Alex isn't shutting me at this guy that all of a sudden he's just going to start kicking the ball left, right, and center. Like, he could bring it across half and put guys in spot and, like, come off a ball screen and make a decision. Like, if he does that, like, five, six, seven times, like, on Saturday, then he'll be helping Trey out a ton. Off the bench, obviously, you have Roddy with his energy, Keyshawn with his energy. Uh, And I think you tell Christophilus, hey, homie, like, you've been brought in to be a shooter. He's You're going to have to make two or three of these. He's done for the year. He's done for the season. 
Is he actually? Yeah, bro. They redshirted him. Yeah, oh, I didn't know foot. it. He broke his foot. Yeah, that I, did I didn't not know he know. broke his foot. I did not uh, either. Yeah, it was in practice after what game did he play? I think he played against Butler, maybe. No, see, no. Yeah, he broke his foot in practice. I did see that. I did not know. You're the in, see. You're the inside guy that I did not know. So yeah. no, Sharif and Christopheles are off the list. So like, yeah. well, my podcast that I recorded earlier is not going to age well. <laughs> That's well, you had a whole well, segment arm shooting with Christophe. Hey, can we cut that out real quick? <laughs> oh shit! Might I'm over here banking that he's going to knock down like two or three threes a game for us. <laughs> well. Whoopsie Daisy. Sorry. Hey, T, I didn't know either. So I don't even, I, I can't yeah, even that's blame why you. I get, that's I can't why even I get paid the like big bucks, you guys. That's why I get paid. You, you and us both. You and us both. Our, our, our stats department, we should have sent you, uh, we, we should have sent that out in the memo oh, before. Sorry. Shit. That's yeah, hilarious. So, I'm dying, fellas. Yeah, that's Jordan, so funny. Yeah. <laughs> Poor Christopheles. We had to remind you. I think he's yeah. gonna hit like a couple threes again. I don't think he's gonna. Uh, I don't think he will be able boot. to. He's wearing that he can boot. Go out there yeah. in a boot, <laughs> let it fly. Just be a spot up dude. Don't yeah. run very much. Um, you mm-hmm. can cherry pick on defense too. Don't worry about it. Uh, yeah, Jordan. I don't know. Like, what do you? What? what who? Who's starting for you? Like Coach Scurry on Saturday. See, my only pushback on that is, I still worry about Trey as the prime. Like, I like your starting lineup. I think. Now thinking about it, I'd go that way. Bro, you can't worry about it as the one. He's the one. Like, it's it, – I know. to be. I know. I know. I know. I know. Yeah. Like, you got to – I know. As worried as you are, you got to, like, live with it. It's it's, it's But it's, it's just defensively is where I'm thinking – where I want Roddy in there. But – Actually, you know why? Yeah. Too, Devin Davis is hurt, too. So even, like, the walk-on point guards, like, there's not even enough. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> like, no. I'm, I, talking about the numbers they're going through right now, it's dire. So – Yeah, no. <laughs> I knew I knew Dev was hurt, but yeah, yeah I, I guess no. I'm gonna rock out. I'm gonna rock out with Jay's starting lineup. I'm gonna agree on that, and then I'm gonna Hell just bring yeah. Rod, Roddy Roddy off the bench. I guess when there's uh, when you need another ball handler in there to help bring it up the court, but yeah, yeah, I'll rock with Jay's starting lineup. Okay, like that's what I'm saying. Do you agree? Do you agree with my switch one through four? And yeah, I'm switch. I like that switch one through four, four heads yeah. of five. I like that. I think that's I what think- got me to. Because like also, not only what that does is it kind of keeps guys out of foul trouble. You know, you're not so worried about locking onto one guy because you know you're kind of in a switching lineup except for Kalk. Uh, then you really just are, I don't want to call it like a passive defense, but you're just kind of just playing the gaps a little bit more. You know what I mean? Like, you're not so worried about like chasing guys as much or like being like, oh, like this is my matchup. I have to lock him down. Yeah. It's just like, okay, any kind of ball screen flare action, we can switch and we just have to keep bodies in front of us, you know, challenge top, tough shots, force them to take long twos and challenge those shots and you have cocky you have hawkins cleaning up the board and then it's a matter of just getting out and playing at our pace so what that does is it limits foul trouble it kind of shortens the rotation which obviously we need like i thought christophus is gonna play clearly not so that shortens the rotation it doesn't allow for you know foul trouble to be as much of an impact as it possibly can be the one guy that is now indispensable when we're talking about the jace playing that way is cockburner because big old watson down there for providence he's a hoss and he could, you know, he, he's a problem sometimes. So I'm a little bit worried about Kalkbrenner on those ball screens and being able to get back. But aside from that, I think that's about as bulletproof of a plan as you can have. Yeah. Maybe we got to see, like, the most zone crazy were played in their life on Saturday. Maybe, Yeah, maybe. You got to be a little bit more creative. Like, when you got seven guys available, one of them being Keyshawn, who obviously exclusively plays the five. Roddy can play one, two, or three. Mm. Uh, 
you have to do it that way. And uh, just kind of hope that like your team, obviously they're, these guys are 18 years old, 19 years old, they're going to be in great shape, but you just kind of have to hope that like the extended minutes isn't going to affect you in some spots, which undoubtedly kind of has to, like we all get tired as players. So. Yeah. Uh, should we jump into our questions to wrap this up? Let's, Let's do, do it. it. Cause I got, cause I got three for Jay that we got to close. I got to, I'm stealing his second. Yeah. From him and I'm, I'm going to turn it around. <laughs> yeah. Now. We got to, fl- we, we got to flip it on him. I love I it. Got, I got a little creative. I didn't quite copy his, all of his questions, but I got some ones that I think are going to make him think and possibly be pretty entertaining for this rest of this podcast. So. Let's um, see it. I'm excited. Yeah. Our first, uh, first question is, is uh, Sharif healthy enough to play? Can he pick up a few games and maintain his red shirt? So we got this question quite a bit today, and I just want to be like super crystal clear about how, because like I don't want to call all you silly for suggesting it, but it is it's getting to a point where it's kind of silly to keep asking about Sharif. One, the man has not practiced since December fourth. Like, no, he played against Iowa State on December fourth, so he hasn't practiced since December third. Okay, that's number one. Number two was a pelvic fracture on top of the fact that he had ankle surgery in the offseason. So if you're doing the tally right, and I asked one of the uh, one of the staff members about this, he's practiced three times since the Gonzaga game. Okay? That's, that's last April. So with the ankle and the pelvic fracture, he's practiced three times in basically 11 months. So mm-hmm. – um, and he just got cleared for physical activity on Monday, but with, basically he's – doing underwater treadmill stuff. Like, I don't – like, he's not playing, okay? He's been shut down for the season. He's not even in any close to game shape. Do not hope for that man to run out there and do things because, like, he's got a whole year that he's just salvaged, basically, because of injury. He can get a medical red shirt, and it's a wipeout. Like, he gets it back. There's no reason to pull it. There just isn't. He's not in any kind of shape to make an impact, and – you'd just be wasting games. Like it's a waste of a year. So no, 0% chance. Like it's a miracle. If he, if he plays like, seriously, like let's just let that man heal up and get ready for next year. Um, so that's that question. I, I like, that's how I want to answer it. Do you guys want to answer it differently or do you want to leave it at that? If the man's I mean, not ready to play, he's not ready to play. <laughs> I mean, three practices since April, dude. Like, what would you? How would you feel? Yeah, like, you think he's even like? And, even- and I, I know how Mac is in situations like that. Like, he's one of the coaches who's like more on the like make sure the player's back hundred percent before he gets back onto the floor. Yeah. Uh, and like, there's been situations like I remember the Nebraska game. I remember thinking like Sharif is definitely not hundred percent, but like shout out to Sharif for hopping on the court, understanding the magnitude of like I'm an Omaha kid represent crane playing against nebraska i need to be out there yeah but we clearly saw from then that he was hobbled and like one ankle surgery turned into a pelvic fracture so like now before we see him suit up ever again we need to make sure like dude are you feeling 110 percent? so like mm-hmm. him being clear for physical activity like means nothing to me like i want to hear it from sharif being mm-hmm. like i'm good to go and then that's when we'll be able to see him suit up again yeah I mean, I don't. I have nothing to add other than if y'all want any real questions, I'm gonna see Sharif like Saturday morning. So just just hit me up. I can ask him off the court questions, but obviously he's not playing, so that's my answer. Yeah, that's. I just we, we keep getting asked about Sharif, and I just like I don't know how to bury it any further deep into the ground than we have already. But 
I just, mm-hmm. I'd be extreme. Like, I'm serious. Like, on my life, I would be surprised if he plays. Like, I just would be. You never want to say never, but I feel pretty confident. I talked to him. I talked to him today, man. I talked to him today. We can just dead it like that. I talked to him. He's not playing. There you go. There you go. Oh, There's your answer. coming through with the inside information. Yeah. <laughs> inside information. Who do you Ray think Alexander. left me my tickets for the game? <laughs> Ray Alexander is the point guard. <laughs> 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 facts on facts, bro. You right. Damn. Um, oh, shit. Uh, this question is from Danny Sullivan. Do you think this team may be able to withstand R2 season any injury better than the teams that lost Mo and Martin? Um, I don't know, dude. I just because here's the thing: something about losing your lead guard. Like there's something yeah. about that. Like number one, that's it's that's big too. Right? Yeah. But the other part of it is like they're not even healthy the rest of the way. Like <laughs> Alex O'Connell's ankle is a mess. Our Art's knee is a mess. Yeah. Hawk's knee is a mess. Um, I wonder what practice is looking like like oh, today dude. and uh, yeah, tomorrow. and then that's what I mean. Devin Davis is hurt, so like they don't even have a walk on PG right now. Like. They're they're just like it's film sessions and walkthroughs yeah, and stuff. Like I wish I, I wish I knew I got to get hurt as a walk on. I felt like as a walk on, I wasn't even allowed to be hurt. <laughs> no days off. No days <laughs> off. Taylor Stoneberg was walking in there with two. Man, that's what I'm saying. I I remember when I was like, yeah, my knees kind of hurting today, but they don't care. Like, <laughs> damn. <laughs> Times have changed, man. Times have changed. I know. I know. Taylor Stormer was sometimes walking in with a boot on, with mm-hmm. on crutches, but he was practicing that. He was though. still on scout team, though. He was still on scout yeah. team, though. And he was running around talking shit, knocking down shots, man. Shout out Taylor. Shout out Ross. Shout, shout out Goldberg. Man, out they laid the groundwork. They laid the groundwork. Oh my guys. Shout yes, out Alex sir. Olsen. Shout out all my guys. TC. Shout out all yep. my guys, man. TC. Drew. Shout out the game. <laughs> shout out Walker Online. All right, focus. Let, who, let, how does this team withstand R2 is the question. Scurry, you go first. How do they withstand? Because it's Providence, UConn, Seton Hall, Big East Tournament, NCAAs. That's the next five. Oh, yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? <laughs> that that's, is, uh... that's five L's even if you're healthy probably. Like, it easily could be. You know what I mean? And it wouldn't even be yeah. a big deal. Like, that's, that's, I think that's we- tough. Withstand, withstand is the that's the word. That's the word. That's the word. Yeah, that's the word. That's they already was like withstand. Withstand is like the the action word that is messing this whole question up. How do you withstand? It is. I don't don't even. I kind of don't even know what that means. Like, yeah, what is that? I think they. (laughs) We have to define withstand real quick. Yeah. Uh, Dude, I don't know. Honestly, like, one last night, that's pretty good, in my opinion. Like, uh, the way to wish, I don't know. I just think they got to find what works for this new group and where they can really find success. Where, whether it's like, I don't even know. I like because I'm, I'm trying to figure out like what the like, because obviously it's just you want Trey to take on more of a load as a ball handler and kind of more of a facilitator, and which he showed last night. Because what do you have six assists last night? Yeah, right? Six assists, yeah. Yeah. So, like, I guess it's like trying to have him like be more in that facilitator role and step into that. I think that like in other guys create more like the way that Ryan would create, I guess, but I don't know. I think it's just like a whole, like they, they have to tap into a whole different game now. I don't even know how to compare that one. So I'm going to defer to you, Jay, you got it. So again, I'm having trouble with the word withstand, but I will say this, it's definitely got to be a lot more by committee. I think I, I, 
I alluded to that a little bit earlier. Like AOC, like you got to step up. You got to help organize offense. Arthur, at some points, you're going to have to do that too. Hawkins, you're going to have to be a steady, calming influence on everybody because there's going to be times where shit hits the fan for sure because you're throwing caution to the wind with the fact that R2 is gone. Like you don't really have a plan for this. You're just kind of doing it day by day, trying to figure it out. So guys are just going to have to do it by committee. They're just going to have to step up. That's how they withstand it. Now, is it the like picture perfect plan? No, absolutely not. But they're going to have to weather the storm for a little bit. And I trust that coach Mack is an offensive genius. I think we see, like we talked about Cooley being able to like manage his players and like do different things, depending on the strengths and weaknesses of his team. I don't think any coach does it better than Coach Mack, in my opinion. Obviously, super biased opinion, but I don't think anybody does it better. So I'm I'm very excited to see Coach Mack's playbook just kind of start to unfold even more and more. You know, we're gonna see how creative he actually can get, especially like not being in a situation where like you can't rely on one guy's speed, basketball IQ, passing ability to set up your offense, uh, which is what they lost with R two going down. Like we're gonna have to see like different guys like step up in those situations and kind of learn on the fly how to do things that they haven't been asked to do all year long. But who would I have guiding those guys more than Coach Mack? I don't think I would have anybody else. Yeah, so I think both of you guys made really good points. My thing, if I'm looking to one player to uh elevate that. Is like, it is it Christophilus? <laughs> <laughs> Honestly, the booted three point shooter sounds it's intriguing. I'm not gonna lie. Um, mm-hmm. it, I think it's Roddy for me because I think we've seen mm-hmm. that Trey's gotten a lot of reps right now at the one. I feel pretty comfortable with Trey at the one. Like, I'm not expecting him to operate like R two is operating, uh, but I think he can hold it down. You know what I mean? And I think. When you look at the kind of games Creighton won when R2 wasn't even playing that well at some points, it's there. You know, I mean, they've won games like that before. So I think Trey can do a a pretty good job, a serviceable job at the one, um, you know, to to keep Creighton's head above water. The one, the, the part that I'm looking at is Roddy, like whether he's playing the two with Trey as a like, tandem ball he ball handling type situation to alleviate pressure off of one guy or if he's coming off the bench uh, whichever it happens i think he's the one that's got to elevate and be consistent with it down the stretch because if you only ha- i just alex isn't like a true backcourt ball handling facilitator type he's more of a wing um obviously hawk is a wing slash post player art same thing and Haw- and carpenter is strictly a post same with Keyshawn. Mm-hmm. So you really only have like right. two guys who are ball handlers slash wings left, and it's Trey and Roddy. So I think if if Roddy doesn't step up and play his best basketball of the season, that's a ton of pressure on a guy who came into the year as like a wing and not really a part of alternator. So so here's here's the thing. Yeah, in order to keep the pressure from mounting on Trey as these games pile up and the coaches start to scheme against what's left on the roster. I think Roddy's got to be a guy who's able to alleviate a lot of that pressure. That's going to be on Trey's shoulders. These last four or five games. What I wanted to say is like, you kind of said something on the lows that like, I really need people to pay attention to. You said that it's not going to look at all like what it did when Ryan was handling the point guard spot. If Trey does it, 
And I think that's kind of like a trap that us as fans and the players on the team could kind of fall into is that it's going to look vastly different because it's not R2 running the show. Like there's going to be times where Trey struggles and the team really has to like galvanize around him and help him out in those situations, you know, and like what you could kind of fall into the trap of like, oh man, like he made a mistake there. R2 wouldn't have made that mistake. Therefore we're screwed. Because if you start to get into that mindset, then it really becomes like kind of like a, a cancerous thought that just kind of you don't even kills you as the game anymore. goes yeah, on. You know yeah, what I mean? Good. And I kind of went through something like that this year because, you know, early on in the year, I pulled with Maurice Watson in Poland. And Maurice was absolutely killing. Uh, in our first uh, break of the year in November, he got a better deal to go play in Israel. So all of a sudden, like, he leaves as a lead point guard. I have to take all point guard responsibilities. I told my team, I'm like, hey, I'm not Womp. <laughs> like, <laughs> I don't play the point guard position the way that he does. Like, the way he, his vision is so crazy. Like, yeah. I became a better passer just by watching him, like, through osmosis, seeing what he saw. Like, I became a better passer this year. But I remember telling my team, like, look, it's going to look different, but just trust me. Like, I, I'm not going to be able to, like, split screens and break guys down and get everybody open whenever I want to. So it's going to look a little bit different, but it's going to work out. Like, if you guys just trust me. And, like, I was able to, like, we won the four of the next five games after he left and all, all that stuff, like, maintaining our standing in the t- at the top of the Polish League. I think the same thing's going to happen with the Jays. It's not going to look like what R2 did. It's going to look vastly different, and sometimes he's going to struggle. But you have to rally around him. I- I'm talking about Trey, obviously. You have to rally around him. You have to help him out in spots and just kind of figure it out from there and, you know, kind of have that approach going forward. Yeah. Um, oh, sorry. Next question. My bad. I forgot I was the one. Looking at the question. You, had, you, had, you had some more thoughts on that one? I was like, well, I was trying to think. Like, what did I just say? My bad. Yeah. Uh, is this uh, is this McDermott's best coaching job of his Creighton tenure? That's our next question. So starting from Jan's year freshman year on. What's better? I mean, it's hard scurry, to get, that like, has to scurry. That's your team, bro. That's, that's right, your team. Se- yeah, your senior, your team feels like the only other one that's in contention, right? I think Jen's yeah. senior year, your senior year, and this one. No, it's got to be because the reason I'll give it to Scurry is, dude, Doug was unbelievable. Man. <laughs> Doug was unbelievable. So with Doug being as good as he was, it takes a little bit of coaching nods away from Mac in a sense, you know. But I think the way that he put that team together, the way that he coached them up to win the first outright Big East, not outright, the first time that we won a shared of the Big East regular season title. And obviously we saw what went down in Madison Square and all that stuff, whatever. But I think that was his best coaching job that year, like in my honest opinion. Yeah, because Jordan, you guys were picked seventh that year, I think, right? Were you seventh? Or were and you that's, were. So, and exactly. that's insanity. That is insanity. Yeah, I'll double down on that, not only because it was my senior year, but we've kind of talked about this a lot, Matt, is that year was like an accumulation of things. Like the DNA for that team started like my sophomore year, like because my sophomore year, that's when Damian Jefferson came in. That's when I started like that. I think it was that summer. I stayed on campus the whole time. And then I like Denzel gave his visit then like it was a bunch of those pieces that then showed in senior year, like coming to fruition. Uh, Cause it, it was just like, it was a game plan for a long time. So yeah, I think that one, I'll have to go with that way. That year it's my senior year. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. My, I, I, my answer, I think like, here's the theory, here's the thing. 
and this is almost like, I don't know, my disrespecting Mac by elevating the team, but like 13, 14, here's the thing. It's tough for a coach because that year you're basically playing a 30 game non-con because all the teams, all the players, it's all new information. So every game plan Mm -hmm. is you're going into it with a lack of familiarity. Like, so the film study has to be on steroids. Like you got to be making sure you're identifying the right tendencies because it's always been a scout based preparation. Like, right. Like that's, that's the one thing that's been there from the jump from the minute he got here. Mm-hmm. So that 13, 14 year, I think Doug gets a lot of shine because he had an, a, an historic season um, should have been a unanimous player of the year nationally, if not for one jaded Louisville voter. But uh, I don't describe, I like, I feel like that's one of Mac's best coaching jobs at Creighton because of the challenge of having to prepare players from a scouting report standpoint for entirely new teams, like all season long. That's a, that's a crazy grind. Like he probably didn't. But this, this is what I'll say. If you are going to enter into a new environment, isn't that the team you'd want to do it with a team full of seniors oh, sure. who put together for four yeah. years. So like, it's like, yeah, like of course, Scott, I mean, scouting's always going to be on point with Mac, but that's just the one thing that he does. Like some teams, are like, this is what we do. No matter who's in front of us, this is how we're going to defend or whatever. Coach Mack is very malleable with the way that he approaches mm-hmm. defenses and, like, what he's trying to attack offensively. So, like, no matter what situation he's in, he's always going to make those, like, little adjustments in order to get the best out of his team. But if you're going into new familiar territory, like, again, this is, like, no offense uh, to Scurry's team. I think, like, at that point, if it was Scurry's team going to the Big East, I think they would have struggled because they just didn't have that kind of familiarity yet. Mm. But obviously, they had the talent and all that stuff, which is why I think, like, in a year where, like, that team is still kind of young, like, they still had, like, another, what, year after that in order to, like, fully develop into who they all really became, which was a Sweet 16 team and all that stuff. Mm. Coach Mack had to really, really, really coach them up to get the best out of them. With our team, like, he already knew what was good. Like, the offense going to run through Doug. Jay, Ethan, op- open sh- uh, catch and shoot threes. Grant, use your intelligence, your IQ to get under the opponent's skin and also maybe give us, you know, like, six or seven assists to Doug a night. And then Austin pushed the pace. Like, we already had that recipe. But for that team, like, he's still trying to figure it out as the season goes on. And what does he do with that team? How someone is sure of the Big East regular season championship. So I think that's his best coaching jobs. That's a that's that's fair. And I and honestly the nineteen twenty team is another popular one too, because obviously they went from seventh to first and won the first big east title. And mm-hmm. um the one thing I push back on is like the twenty twenty one team went to the first sweet sixteen, but Jordan, your team was going there too. Like you were one of the best yeah, teams in the country, yeah. like at the end of the day. That that uh, sucks. That um, sucks. And the, and the other thing is, like, going into that season, people didn't – I don't even think they were – they weren't – you guys weren't preseason top 50 on any of the – like, any of those power ranking polls. I don't think you were even top 50 on Kempom, and you were picked seventh in the league. So, you drastically outperformed probably any Creighton team ever. You know what I mean? Like, at the end of the day, you guys finished seventh. Like, even as good as – even as surprising as this team has been, they're not going to have – an objective ranking next to it that's going to outperform their preseason projection. But, but I knew how badass that roster was. Like Ty, Marcus, Mitch, DJ, 
you added Dens to the mix for basically the last, like Oklahoma Arizona State conference play. I knew how badass that roster was. So the fact that you guys won the league, I I wasn't terribly surprised, even though it was the first time it ever happened. You know what I mean? Like, because I knew you had some bad dudes. Like Marcus was a but. So so I think this year is a lot tougher, just because. It's not just yeah no. It's not just the freshmen. It's the whole roster is new to each other. I mean, Hawk talked about it last night. You know, Ryan mm-hmm. Hawkins is coming from. I understand he's a three-time national champion, but he's coming from D two to Big East. Alex O'Connell, yeah, he played with Duke, but he was a like a role player at Duke. He's a starter in the Big East now, first year starter. Okay, Ryan Nemhard, PG one, first year starter. Uh, Trey Alexander, who's now going to be in the role, like true freshman. Arthur Kaluma, true freshman. Ryan Kalkbrenner, you know, he got some valuable minutes last year, but this is his first year starting. And then you throw in on top of it, Sharif Mitchell has is was supposed to be their most experienced player coming back, and he hasn't played since December 4th. And they're 11 and 5 in the Big East. They're they're in third place because they have the tiebreaker over UConn. They're like mm-hmm. a game in the loss column behind Villanova and Jay Wright. With Colin Gillespie, Jermaine Samuels, Justin Moore, they're a game back. One in the last. And you, over, and, and, and you over here talking about some shocker smart. Shocker smart. Fuck out of here. here. Fuck out of here, Fuck out here, bro. He went on that whole tangent just Yo, to talk about some shocker smart. Coach of the year, bro. Because we was thinking the same thing the whole time. I'm like, your homie's making the points. Like, like what? Out right what was now. this? <laughs> I said I'm nervous so, about walking call- it back. But how, how, you gonna, how are you going to call this his best coaching year and not give yeah, him Yeah, the and then not out. give him coach of the year? A, Yo, I'm going to tell you, I can't enough. wait to see him. I enough can't wait enough. to see him on hey, Saturday. I'm going to tell Matt. him what you said about him, too. Hey, I'm, Matt, as a I, brother, hey, Matt, as a brother, I need to tell you this. Get your shit together, man. Come on now. <laughs> Come on. <laughs> Listen, I didn't want to walk it back, but I think I might have to party shotgun. Oh, man. <laughs> Yo, I'm Shoot crying over smatter. here. That's so Yo, funny. I'm dead. I mean, damn, Matt, get your shit together, bro. <laughs> You're right. I think I think this year's his best coaching job. I just think I, I the adversity they've gone through. The do you on the roster? I do. I really. I'm do. not sure. I, <laughs> I really do. I really do. It's like one thing after another, oh, and they man. just keep winning. It's crazy. That's so man. funny. <laughs> oh, that was. This is the, they were supposed to go and get whipped by Nebraska again. They still won that game easy. Like mm-hmm. it's just like. Hey, no, you talked about you talked about raising the floor of a crane program. Let's let's stop doing the crane Nebraska. Oh, Nebraska has a chance. Yeah. Until they win. Let's stop it. Let's stop. Let's stop. Until they win. I like that. Yeah. It's been 20 20 years of sheer dominance. I'm I'm like Nebraska's in UNO territory for me now. It's a nice little game that has to be played because it's an in-state game. (laughs) That's it. Nebraska has no shot (laughs) until further notice. Damn. <laughs> okay, next question. I'm next question. Saying. Let's go. Let's, right, let's go. Hey, how many wins does it take for you all to realize? Next, Matt, come on. Don't get me started. Next question. Sorry. Next yeah. question. Uh, I'm trying to look. I think this is our last one. Yeah. Okay. So, yeah, this is our last one. Is Creighton in all likelihood in the tourney with last night's win? Mm. Yeah. Yeah, we talked about this. I mean, like, if- down there's. 
their schedule down the stretch is about as tough as it gets in the Big East. Like yeah. they got the number one team on the road. They got what you said, UConn again, mm-hmm. and Seton Hall. Is that right? Yeah. Yep. Uh, yeah, they're good. All they got to do is make sure that they win one Big East uh, tournament game, and I think they're in. I'll agree with that. Um, I think they need actually. I'll say they got to win one of the last three and then one Big East tournament game. Ooh, that would cement them. That would cement them. But I, st- yeah, I, I think, still that, think that's what in. I mean. I like that's what I mean. I think are we talking cement them or are we talking like just right? Like, well, I think I'm a believer that the Big East gets six teams in this year. I'm looking at the I, other we are too. I'm looking at ACC. I'm like, whoa, what what happened in the ACC? Yeah, like, what's going on? Well, the, so, big, the the Big East teams that left the league went to the ACC and they made that crappy. So. Well, it was a mid-major conference, that's according to Virginia Tech. The mid-major coach. league, yeah, Buzz Williams joined the mid-major league on accident. He thought he was leaving one, but he actually went to one. So, oops. Um, I think that – here's the thing. I think they're in last night because they've done so much uh, already to overcome the adversity they've gone through. And I don't think it's fair to put their NCAA tournament live on – Finding a way to beat, like, the best team in the league, the third best team in the league, and then what Seton Hall is right now is sixth. So, and then you think about who they're going to play in the first round, probably going to be Marquette, like, or Xavier. Mm-hmm. Like, do you really, does Creighton really need to beat one of those four teams to prove to you that they're in the tournament? I don't think that's kind of, like, I don't know if that's true. However, I do. I just yeah. think that tournament, that Big East tournament win, I think just holds a little bit more weight. You know what I mean? Like I the you. fact that it would be a semifinal mm-hmm. Big East team, I think would be like, all right, like this team deserves to be in. Yeah, I hear you. Yeah. The one thing I'm worried about with Creighton's resume is there's already some things not to like about it. Like, you know, they they ASU, ASU at home. They got pounded by Nova. They got pounded by Colorado State. Um, but. The other part of it is too, like I, the committee does this when you lose a key player late in the year, and you have a sample that's like big enough to just get a look of what you what you are without that person. They they kind of like overweigh that. Um, mm-hmm. So I think Creighton has done enough right now, and I think winning with our, our two on the road against the St. John's team that was playing pretty good basketball for about three weeks going into that game is significant enough of a win to count as a, as a, like a, you know, a final check mark, if you will, on their resume. But if they go and get like pounded like four straight times to end the year without R2, like I'm talking like four non-competitive games, that might be a very large sample, too large of a sample to ignore. Cause you're like, okay, are we going to throw this team in the NCAA tournament when they're, 20 points worse without their point guard who's not coming back. It might be right. tough to like, I think their performances matter. I don't know if their results matter. Like, I think they can lose four straight to end the year at this point and still make the tournament as long as they don't get whipped in all four games. I think if they're competitive, they'll make it. I think they've done enough already. But if they get beat by like 30 on Saturday and, um, 15 or more against UConn and Seton Hall and then go and lose to Xavier by like 10 or more in NYC, I don't think they'll make it. Cause I think the committee will be like, 
you know, you're, you're just a different team without Ryan Demhard, and that's not you're not the you're not the team that won the 19 games. Basically, is what they'll say. So the committee's kind of like that. I, I can see them throwing a North Carolina in there just to you know for the brand um, over a Creighton without a Ryan Demhard. So don't get I don't want Creighton to give them those reasons because they're looking for them always. So just, as long as they're competitive, these not. last four games, I really hope games. not. Like I, think, I think they can. I think they can go zero and four in four competitive losses and still make the tournament. I really. I, that's what I feel. So. You just put a damper on my night. Yeah, <laughs> this is he's the. This is why we call him the scrub, bro. This is why we call him the scrub. He's the most pessimistic. He out here like, yeah, if they get pumped for four games, said, if Creighton just, just said, gets dog walked for North four Carolina games. Carolina instead for name recognition. Damn. He just threw – he threw the school that lost out. He threw the school that lost out on Ryan Nemhard right at the end of this episode. That was awful. Awful timing. <laughs> I'm just saying. My answer to the question is yes. They did enough last night to make the tournament. That's my answer. Well, we didn't need your pessimistic Gordon explanation said, yeah. then. You should have yeah. just said yes. You said two. You, you said they're about to get blown out. Not. You said two. You wins. said winning two more. I ain't say nothing about a blowout. Well, I said yeah. two wins. Don't they only got to beat? Yeah. They can beat Seton Hall. I I would I would take that now. I would put money on that. I'll take the I'll take money line right now. Don't care. Money line. I'll take. I'll gamble. I'll, I I'm dead serious. I would gamble on them if I got to pick one of the games. I'd gamble on Seton I Hall. Selfishly, I want yeah. Providence, but I'll gamble on. Don't care. Ga- don't care. I would gamble on Seton Hall. Right. I would get my guys. I would at least gamble on Seton Hall and gamble on their first Big East win. But you out here like if they get pumped, I don't know. I'm gonna put North Carolina over them. What? I wouldn't. No. I wouldn't put North Carolina over them. The committee will. Hey, well, you sure, speaking this into sure. existence, and I don't like it. Oh, sorry. There's the same man who said Shaka Smart was coach of the year and then went yeah. on to explain why Coach Mack is <laughs> coach of the year. Like, Ain't we're, that we're the good. truth. He's all over the Ain't place. Ain't that tonight. the truth. We're good. We're good. All, all right. right. Yep. Back. I thought I was making good points. <laughs> all right. Let's get Jay out of here with three questions. Uh, let's do oh, it. Here we go. Here okay. we go. So it's, 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 it's in the spirit of his, of, of his theme on his podcast. So I want to make sure we, we give, like, the, you know, royalty rights to the welcome to the Jay host, Jahans Managoff, for – this uh, this segment right here as we close it out on Scurry and the Scrub. First question for Jahens is um, who in Creighton history has committed the second most fouls in the history of the CHI slash Clink slash Quest Center? Mm. The second most fouls in Creighton history? Yeah. Damn. Oh, it's probably no. Who is in there just hacking? <laughs> like, I'm really trying to think. I'm assuming you're asking me this question because I played with them. So I'm yes. really going back to that, my team. That's, yeah, I, I'll, yeah. That's his hint. <laughs> Who is it just hacking away? Was I don't know Rocky? either. So, who is it? Was it Ethan? You think it's Ethan? I think it's Ethan or Will. Like, I'm going to go Will. Will Artino. Will swag. Artino. Big shout out, big swag. Answer. It is Will Artino. Third than the Canadian Red Bull himself, Jans Maniga. No. <laughs> <laughs> I'm hacking. Hacking. I was hacking a lot. Everybody out here. 145 you committed in 71 games. Yep. You were hacking. Damn, I was hacking away. Yep. 
Dane Watts is the only but guy. I swear. Than you. Hey, shout out Dane Watts. That's my man, too. <laughs> I was hacking away. No hacking way, away. bro. Yeah. Bro. 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 I didn't know we were throwing trick questions in here. Come on now. I didn't even bro, think of myself. That was a great start off. That was okay. a great one. All right. So you both won regular season titles on the final day of the year at home, right? So Jens mm-hmm. beat Wichita State for the Valley one. Jordan beat Seton Hall for the Big East one. Who had who had the widest margin of victory in those games? Don't say in that like final win. Don't say the score to ruin the answer either. Just like who won by the most points in that in that title? Oh, game. like the final score? Yeah, final margin. Who had the who had the most comfortable win? Oh, it had. Uh, yeah, it had to be scary. Yeah, it was. We won Doug, by. It took all of Doug's forty-five to get us that win. I remember that. Yeah, we won by. I want to. I don't know though. What did we win by? Because in my head, I'm like, yeah. we won by eight. Y'all, y'all were getting away. subbed I can't, out. I can't give it away. Y'all were getting subbed out at the end. Like, yeah, I played in the game. We That's how I know. I played. I have a picture. I got a picture over here of me in the game with the pink Kobe's on. Like, I know I was in the game. I got. Yeah. I was Jordan's all waving to the crowd. I was like, bye, Jordan. So hit. yeah, no. There's the answer. He walked and was like, I got, I got in the, I got in the game. <laughs> That's how you know. Yeah. That's that's yeah. the answer. Yeah, it was Jordan's career. You guys won by 17. Jahan's won by 12. You guys dropped 91 yeah. though, so it was it was pretty comfortable. I wouldn't have guessed. Man, I honestly, was... I wouldn't have guessed we won by 17 though. Like I still yeah, thought because I I remember getting in and being like I still thought it was I somehow I still thought it was close. I don't know why now knowing that it's 17. Well, it was close like yeah. at the under eight, and then you just whipped them like it was like Denza. Everybody, you guys didn't miss a shot like the last like 15 possessions. It was stupid. <sighs> One of the best days of my life. I love it. It was. I I just. I just remember, like, that Wichita team was so tough to prepare for. They were a Final Four team. Like, yeah, that was with Clean Anthony three- Early. Yeah. Yeah. With, uh, Clean Anthony Early with, I forgot the name of the lefty point guard, Carl Hall. Uh, that was a tough team. Fred Van Vliet could, like, barely get on the floor for that team. Like, he was yeah, getting was spot cold. minutes at the one. And now he's an NBA All Star. So that was a good ass team. Yeah, it was. Man, that was a good yeah. question. Uh, last question Jordan Scurry, host of this podcast. Uh, played 58 games in his Creighton career. How many points did he score? Oh, I should notice because I just researched him. Can I go back in my notes and look? <laughs> or, or do you want me to be? I'll be. I'll be honest. Damn. 58. Well, if you researched it, then you should have like at least the ball. You should be in the ballpark. Yep. 58 games. How many points did he score? Our man scored. Games he scored. 100 and. Wow, you're so nice. You're so, he is so, you're nice. so nice. You're so nice. Oh, you guys are doing now. I'm gonna be mean. He scored. Fifty-seven points. Wow, you're real close, dude. I, I don't know. I was gonna guess fifty, but that, that's good. Jay, you're one point off. He scored fifty-eight in fifty-eight games. Damn. He averaged one. Yeah, got that one point like scoring average. That's right. <laughs> Yes, sir. You made sure he Damn. got one. That's good. 1.0. I just did the research on the ratio. Ratio. Yeah. <laughs> right. That's right. 57. That's a hell of a good guess. I didn't think he was going to be close. That's, that's impressive. Well, I was going to give him like, I he was, was, like, gonna, he was about to say 100. I know. Yeah. 
And then you guys like, oh, you're being too nice. I was like, damn. <laughs> he was being real nice there. That was that was okay though. Yeah. I was one point per game. Max should have just played me against Marquette. We would have won. Yeah, Sam Hauser. Just but I mean, that's that like honestly, you didn't score every game, but that's a lot of Godfather's pizza you scored right there. You know what I'm saying? I so, did. Yeah. All the fans. Does, who's who's got? Okay, I got a question for you guys. Who's got a better Godfather? Uh, like the to have the point that brought us the Godfather, Ross Farini or Jordan? Oh, Ross, Ross, Ross. Yeah, I was yeah. chasing Ross, that. I was, bro. I was chasing it. Godfather. Yeah. Yeah. After after my, because I hit it for the third time my sophomore year. Because I hit it once my freshman and then twice my sophomore year, if I remember correctly. Mm-hmm. And then I remember after um, John Bishop and Murph were like, "You got a ways to catch up if you're gonna beat Ross." And I was like, "What do you mean?" And they were like, "The Godfather points." And so I went back to my dorm, got on Google, <laughs> saw how many threes he hit for Godfathers. I don't even know if the number's accurate because I got it off like yeah. some Creighton blog, and I'm chasing it. Well, see the thing I is, was chasing it. Be, I couldn't. I couldn't get it for like for like most of my childhood. It was seventy points, but then Creighton started getting good when Altman got here. Uh, it was like they had to raise the score total because people were giving out Godfathers like way too easy. It was like seventy every day, so. They had to like they had to raise the standard. Some people think it should go to eighty because you guys are too good now. So that's why I was like, "There's like a fight to keep it at seventy-five right now. It's like a battle." It, it'll go to eighty at some point if yeah. Max still stays there for a while. It'll go to eighty. Yeah. So well, sure, that's the point. Like, I bet you, I bet you, more people remember your points than like Marcus's because like you gave him Godfathers, man. It's all wow. like, it's all about the value of the points themselves. If that's what I can be for the Omaha community, then that's who I will be for. The <laughs> Jahan's man of God, the legend. Thank you, sir, for having con- I appreciate you guys so much for letting me crash the party. We've been hey, trying to do this, so. Big 12, appreciate you for coming on, man. As always, good luck with everything. Safe travels, getting back. I wish you nothing but the best of luck. Appreciate you coming on here. This was fun as hell. You got to come back. Got to get you on here after. We might have to do some NCAA tournament stuff. I don't know. I don't know, but appreciate hey, you for you know I'm I'm always around for all your podcast needs. So just give me a holler. Likewise, you love you guys, yeah. man. Appreciate you guys. So love, much. bro. Awesome, everybody listening, fans, everybody tuning in. Thanks for tuning in. Thanks for your questions, and uh, we really appreciate you. So glad to be back on the scurry and the scrub grind. We'll be with you the rest of the season. Now that we got our, you know, batteries recharged, we're ready to go. So uh, four ready to hit the home stretch. For Jahan's man, I got the legend. For Jordan Scurry, the legend. I'm Matt DeMarinas. This has been Scurry in the Scrub. Everybody have a good week.